Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. This Valentine's Day edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Fun show planned today. We will chat with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer at 3.30 today. So coming up in just about a half hour, we will chat all things Auburn basketball with him. Uh, We'll have birthdays and sports nightly TV guide as always. We'll start previewing this Auburn and Missouri game coming up tonight at 6 inside of Neville Arena. Uh, a very big one for the Tigers. We'll go over the NCAA tournament bubble picture right now. Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology and uh, what it might mean for the Tigers' NCAA tournament chances and, and what they need to do going down the stretch. So we'll talk about that. And then I will be leaving at 5 o'clock. Brooks Childress will be taking over. Uh, and Brooks and Tom will take you through the final third and final hour as I head over to Neville Arena uh, to work that game. So... Uh, a lot to do here today, as always. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll start with you, Brooks. Hope you're doing well, sir. Good to have you on the show for the first time this week. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day to, one, everybody in the studio, and then, two, everybody out there in sports call world. It's a, it's a beautiful day here on the Plains. A lot of great sports to talk about. We had the Super Bowl happen this weekend, one of the great uh, – it seems like every year we get, oh, this was uh, one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time – and they're not lying every single time they say it because the past few years we've had great Super Bowls. Um, it, it was it was a fun one to watch, uh, not without its controversy, of course, because why? Like you can't really have a, a big game without some sort of controversy happening. Um, and then Auburn basketball played over the weekend. Uh, didn't have the you know they they had had a good performance. Probably you know really could have won that basketball game, but down the stretch that that Alabama team really you know showed you why they're the number well now the number one team in the country they were able to fight back and to to win that game inside neville arena on saturday but auburn's got to shake it off get ready for what is you know basically been dubbed a must-win game when it comes to uh tournament time uh later on in the season tonight versus missouri missouri's a team that's receiving votes in the polls this week not quite in there to the top 25 but they're a good team coming into neville arena and, and bruce pearl has uh came out yesterday in his media uh, appearance and kind of called out the fans and called out the students said get here and if you you've got tickets that you're not going to use make sure that someone else can use them and so it, it's a big one tonight for Auburn uh, against Missouri the one time you're going to see Missouri this year and you get them at your home and they're you're a pretty good team a, br- a good resume building team when it comes to March and so can't wait to talk about all of that can't wait to talk to all of our callers as well on this afternoon sports call and then uh, Tom Peavy with us here hey. again today Tom how are you Thank you. Uh, happy Valentine's Day again to everybody out there. So, uh, did you get me a Valentine, Tom? Uh, I'll give you a great big wet sloppy kiss. Uh, I'll stay over here. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> there's your there's your Valentine's. No. 
Uh, but no, yeah, uh, happy Valentine's to everybody out there. Yeah, huge game for Auburn. Um, about as must win as you could think about at this point of the season when you're really looking at uh, Auburn and, and the bubble, which we're going to get into. But, you know, kind of looking at uh, the, the losses that Auburn has had has not really – uh, devastated their net ranking because of who they've been losing to. And then some other teams around the country have been helping Auburn out, uh, namely Northwestern, just knocking off then number one Purdue, and that's a Northwestern team that Auburn has a win over. So there's some things that are working in Auburn's advantage right now despite the losses and the losing streak. However, you lose one like this to Missouri, a game uh, at home that you should absolutely win, then your net rankings are going to start dropping, and then you're going to really start – seeing Auburn kind of, you know, falling, you know, I, I think like on ESPN they were saying like first four in, like Auburn would be one of the first four in. Uh, from there, then you'd start moving to bubble, and if you're going to be on the bubble. So, I mean, it is it's such an important game. If Auburn has any aspirations of getting to the NCAA tournament, the game tonight is the type they have to win. And then also these other couple against Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, uh, you know, you just, you've got to get those that are winnable. And, uh, yeah, we'll get more into it as, as it goes along. But beautiful day outside today and enjoying it while we can because I know we got stormy weather rolling in uh, in the next few days. But it's beautiful out there right now. Yeah, definitely a beautiful Valentine's Day for everybody to go out and celebrate, those that have significant others, of which I do not. So I will just be at Neville Arena, and I will be gnawing on some concession food and tweeting about Auburn basketball. That will be my Valentine's Day evening, and you know what? That's all right with me. Let's start with this Auburn basketball team and the bracketology. And I hate to be a stickler with this, Tom, but I've got to point out that the get let's get the terminology here correct. All right, last four buys is what Auburn is in. Oh, okay, last four and, buys. And then last four in would be the last four teams into the tournament in the first four. Gotcha. Some people say first four in and stuff like that. Well, you know, technically the first four in would be the number one team in the country, the number two team in the country, number three, and right. number four. So last four buys is the last four teams that don't have to compete in the first four that are right. seeded in the NCAA tournament. That is where Auburn is right now. That last four in grouping includes – uh, some some big time teams uh, that are just not a- accustomed to being there. Uh, in particular, the I guess the third to last team in the tournament is North Carolina, and uh, they are they would be in the that first four uh, played on Tuesday Wednesday uh, in Dayton Ohio. Right now, the last team into the NCAA tournament is Clemson, and then when you're talking about the first four out. Oregon, Kentucky, USC, and Wisconsin, all of those teams having uh, pretty solid success uh, as of late. Obviously, Kentucky's program as a whole, but then even Oregon has had a lot of good teams the last seven or eight years. Wisconsin can be uh, said the same. And then uh, USC, kind of more of a perennial bubble team. But it's going to start to be relevant who these teams play and when they play them and, and that sort of thing. Uh, because it is getting a little bit more nail-biting for Auburn. And again, we use Joe Lenardi as this definitive wizard of bracketology. He is still not the committee. And so Auburn, he can say Auburn is a last four bye right now, but that's not necessarily what they are. They could right. be they could be better than that. He has them at 11. They could be a 9 or a 10. 
in the committee's eyes, they could be worse than that. They could be in the first four right now, maybe even out of the tournament for all we know. And so we use Lenardi because he's, I guess, the foremost expert. There's also other guys that do bracketology. But, uh, again, important to remember, you know, Lenardi might get 65 or 66 correct each year, but that means someone he was wrong about, and that means uh, someone, that's the difference in someone making and missing the NCAA tournament, which is quite a large difference, not just a seating difference. So, uh, but as of now, Auburn in that last four buys, for reference, the last four buys are Auburn, Boise State, West Virginia, and Memphis. Notice there, West Virginia and Memphis, teams that Auburn has lost to, yet he has them above them, for example, right now. Right. That's something that may not necessarily be true uh, when it comes to the committee. So this Auburn and Missouri game is quite important. Missouri right now, according to Joe Lenardi, being listed as a seven seed, the number 27 overall team in the country and so missouri is you know they are a little better team than auburn at least that that's how they have played out in sec play and missouri uh was able to beat tennessee here as of uh, recently uh they uh, have had uh, a really good offensive team and so this is a must win in my opinion for auburn and i think you guys would agree with that as well but this does not make it an easy one. It's not a must-win in the sense of you just can't afford to have a bad loss on your resume. This would not be a bad loss, but it's a team that if you want some sort of decent quality win, this is the most gettable win right. here in the last five or six games because Vanderbilt's getting hot, but you go to Vanderbilt and win, that's not going to make you an NCAA tournament team. That's not going to enhance your resume much. You beat Ole Miss at home, great, awesome. Ole Miss is awful. Ole Miss is not going to play postseason basketball this year. That does not matter at all. So then you're looking at at Kentucky after that, which is going to be very relevant for the tournament bubble, as I just sure. said, Kentucky's first four out. But it's a road game. And then you're at Alabama, which I'm just going to say Auburn's not going to win. <laughs> and then they host Tennessee, which Tennessee is starting to fall apart here. It's very winnable. But again – you don't just expect to go beat a top 20, top 15 team uh, just because you play them at home. It's still something Auburn would have to earn and avenge a loss earlier. So you got a couple opportunities here, but at some point Auburn's going to have to win one of these close games. And and I, I would highly uh, suspect that, that this will not be a blowout tonight. Auburn's going to have to find a way to win a close game and against a team, guys, that – uh, is really good offensively and, again, has been playing good basketballs late up to 19-6 and six overall in the year. Yeah. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, it, you, it, you took all the words out of my mouth. I didn't have I didn't have a rebuttal to that. I mean, Auburn, it, like like we've said, oh, this is a must win game for Auburn. Missouri is a team, like you said, Ryan. Is, we've we've seen them. You know, they they beat Tennessee very recently. This Auburn team struggled against the Tennessee team, and you know you look at the you, you look at the games coming up, and you know I just echo what you just said. It is it's Missouri. Is is a game you've got to win to help with the resume. Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, not they're not resume builders, but you got to win those games. And then you get a stretch of very important games after those two, and it, it's starting to get down to you know tighten your belt up and you know fasten the seat belts. We we've got to run here, uh, and then you know you, you get to that. Uh, SEC tournament in the middle of March. You never know what can happen. Maybe you win a couple games and improve your setting. But 
if you you know it, it if you lose that first round game or whatever you know wherever you play in that game that first round of the tournament it's uh that could be you know it, it, you'd have to look back at what you did the, at the end of the regular season because you might not be able to count on some of those games i mean you look at uh who was T- texas a&m last year was a team that they went on a run in the sec tournament and everyone said oh they should have been in should have been in well they didn't get in the tournament uh, committee didn't think they were uh good enough to get in because of what they did in the regular season you get, they got hot at the right time but it just wasn't good enough so auburn you can't rely on a you know a, a run in the sec tournament getting hot right there at the very end before the tournament to get in because if you don't take care of business these next few weeks uh especially with some of these home games coming up you could be like you could be looking at the wrong side of the bubble you could be looking at having to play those first four games in dayton and that puts you at a disadvantage because you're playing an extra game over, you know, whatever team you're going up against. And then you're seated against a team that, uh, you know, got into the, the tournament solidly when if you if you win that game. So it, it these next few games are important. It starts with tonight against Missouri. And if you're Auburn, you've got to come out and you've got to – I think if you're Auburn, I know Missouri's a better team, but you've been so close – these last few games, you you could have beaten Alabama. You probably should have beaten uh, Texas A&M. You should have beaten Tennessee. You've been so close. It feels like you've got to come out here and you've got to, even if it's a close win, it's got to be a statement. You got to make a statement against Missouri tonight to say, "Hey, we're not going anywhere. We're here. We're still going to play Auburn Tigers basketball. Our head coach is still Bruce Pearl, and you know we're we're not missing that tournament." The the one thing, uh, and I hope, and I I'm sure Bruce, I mean, Bruce Pearl's been preaching as much as he can but you know for the student section to be there tonight uh, you know i know it's valentine's day a lot of people got stuff going on it's you know early in the week but don't let the losses uh diminish the the atmosphere in the crowd because those players do feed off of that i mean without that crowd alabama could very well have just stomped auburn into the ground but auburn feeds off that energy and you know bruce pearl's been really pushing for that so Hopefully the energy in Neville Arena is going to be just as exciting as it has been, even though it's not Alabama or it's not a Kentucky or a whoever in here. They need that. Uh, they don't need to be abandoned yet. That's well, I shouldn't even say yet. They don't need to be abandoned at all. But especially this year, you know, for the, the fans and the students not to jump off the ship just yet. Yeah, so when you look at this Missouri team um, – 13th in the country in scoring offense. They score 82.1 points a game. For reference, Alabama is 6th, who Auburn just played at 83.4. And then another Auburn opponent in the top 20 that they played, uh, Memphis, excuse me, is 19th at 81.2. So Auburn's familiar with a couple of these teams that are scoring into the low, low 80s here. And Missouri right there, Missouri shoots – 75% from the foul line. They shoot th- about 36%, 37% from three. So it's an excellent, efficient basketball team that obviously scores in bunches given that they do score 82 a game. And I think the point there you made, Tom, about the, the crowd energy, look, if Bruce Pearl is already feeling the need on that Monday press conference to uh, kind of egg on the, the fans to show up, look, you can put two and two together. Okay, there's a lot of factors that could go against Auburn having a full house tonight. Sure. Okay, A, Valentine's Day. B, Auburn's lost some games. C, Missouri, while being a good team, does not carry any wow factor or or 
uh, any any you know watchability from a, a neutral fan standpoint just because uh, Missouri's not a big brand, not a rival, not a not a ranked team, doesn't check any of these boxes for getting people excited. Although they are literally the first team not ranked, they have the most votes to be ranked, so they're twenty sixth, and uh, they are a really quality team, but not carrying that weight. And then also a six o'clock start time because let's be real, not everyone that goes to Auburn basketball games lives in Auburn or Opelika. I mean, it's I, I know that it is way more. Uh, then in in football, percentage-wise, because there's a lot of people that come from Birmingham, Montgomery for football, a uh, smaller amount for basketball. But nevertheless, that does happen. People commute from Montgomery and then a few from Birmingham maybe for weekend games and stuff. Uh, whereas when you've got a 6 o'clock tip, uh, you don't get off work in time in some instances to go to the game. Uh, you'd have to – I mean, the, the logistics become tougher. Uh, and I think it was – I'm trying to recall which game uh, was it the A&M game. I think that was a six o'clock tip a couple weeks ago in the arena. I think so. Yeah, uh, and that was a late arriving crowd. I mean, it eventually got to ninety five percent or so, and the student section eventually filled up. But uh, at at tip time, it was not that way, and and so you add on the fact that you have a reason to do something else tonight because it's Valentine's. You have a reason to maybe not be as all in to the basketball team because they've lost a few lately. Again, I wouldn't be. I'm still all in. Still sure. going to watch every second. And diehards would. But the casual fan, uh, not going to be as fired up for a midweek against Missouri when Auburn's not ranked and Missouri's not ranked. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, this is just the, the nature of the beast uh, around, I mean, when you're Auburn, and, and I mean, most of the others, I think Kentucky is the exception. Um Football is still the dominating force around Auburn. It's the dominating force around all the others. Basketball can be dominating when you're winning, when you're ranked, when you're fighting for number one rankings and and things like that. I can guarantee you all the all the you know stuff that people joke about about Alabama fans. It's like y'all don't even know you got a basketball uh, team and all you know all those jokes. Guarantee you, they right now are packing out Coleman Coliseum and and raising all sorts of hell in that building for that team who is now ranked number one. That's the nature of the beast. As soon as they start losing, they're not going to show up anymore. You get scared about that at Auburn. Hopefully, Bruce Pearl has built enough of a program and enough interest in the program that it's not going to fall off that bad. But there are a lot of people whose interest in the basketball program is just because they went, they're winning. And so when they're not winning, they really don't care about going. I'm sorry, I remember, you know, I was a student in the early days of Bruce Pearl. I remember when some of those teams came into play Auburn, they were, you know, Auburn was still not, you know, not at tournament quality yet. They were, they guys like KT Harrell had just passed through. I think uh, Kareem Canty was the, was the guy, was the guy when I first got onto campus um, and I would walk in at tip time to the jungle student section, and I'd get front row seats right behind, uh, right. right behind the broadcast team, and sit there and watch basketball. Even when it, the only one that I think had a line was the Kentucky game because it was Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I I remember walking in basically at tip time for an, an LSU team that came in with Ben Simmons on their on their roster. Um, and it's you know it the you you're you've got a point that you know it once the if basketball football is still number one no matter yes. how good or bad that team is doing they are going to be the number one sport on the right. campus of auburn university as it is everywhere in the southeastern part of the u.s yes except for kentucky 
Sure. Um, well, they don't really count. They're not in the southeast. Uh, They're northern south. <laughs> north, south, east, west. They're northern. Yeah, they're north, south. But if you know, if this with with basketball, there are quite a few people that you know go to the games, and if their Auburn basketball is not winning consistently, those seats are going to be empty. Yeah, they don't care. But I, I think that's what Bruce Pearl understands that and he knows that. That's why he got into the press conference and immediately started talking about. It. I was like, "We need you. Don't leave us. You know, we we've got to have this fan support. We we need you to pack out Neville Arena." He understands the nature of the beast around here and how, you know, for as quickly as everybody gravitates to a program, they will leave it just as quickly. Here's you another prime example: softball. Uh, Nobody ever really went to softball games until all of a sudden they had those years where they were College World Series bound. And you couldn't get into that stadium. Yeah. But then as soon as uh, the Myers thing happened and the team just kind of fell off, now you know you go sit anywhere that you want to in that stadium. But there for a, a couple of years, that interest was so big that that stadium was just slammed, packed every time to the point they had to put – if you remember, they actually had to build – bleachers up onto the side of that thing because they're like oh my gosh we don't have enough seats for the folks that want to come here and so we had to build new bleachers on top of it just to accommodate everybody but then you start losing and that excitement goes away unfortunately basketball maybe not to the extreme of something like softball because basketball is still a very uh a front forward sport as far as national notoriety and national television and and things like that so it's not as bad as that but we have also seen how fans and students can respond to basketball when there's not a winning product on the floor. They don't show up. Hey, that's and that's just the way it is. But again, I think Bruce understands that, and that's why he's really getting out in front of it and saying to the students and the fan base is like, "Listen, we're I get it. We've we're lost, we've lost some games, and and it and it stinks to lose, and it feels miserable to lose. But do not abandon this team. They need that support. They need everybody packing in." They need that jungle just as loud and just as wild as it was for Alabama. Well, and you do hope that there has been enough uh, enough years gone by that that's created a few more right. uh, diehards. Because I'll say even in softball, while that is a good example, I was listening to Coach Dean talk earlier, and uh, they've got pretty much all their SEC games sold out this year, right. even with the with the stand because they're ranked again and they're sure. they're starting to climb back up after a couple of years of barely making the tournament. So then you project out you know when you have a few really great years you gain a few new diehard fans and so I, surely that has happened with Auburn and I you know I still don't think the crowd will be bad tonight but no. it is worth monitoring because of, of you mentioned the home court advantage and I know they're doing some raffles for the students uh, where they're raffling off like a TV uh, and I, I saw some other things uh, posted on Twitter that they're raffling out they're raffling off a handful of uh, big prizes uh, for students, so they are definitely trying to generate the interest. But again, they are having to try and generate it uh, here in the hours coming up the game time. Make sure that it is a full house and it is uh, raucous. Obviously, it's not going to be as raucous as uh, you bring in a, a highly ranked team in there, but they do need a good crowd tonight. We need to take our first break of the show. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us on the show. He'll talk all things Auburn basketball. That and more coming up after this.
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Beautiful Tuesday afternoon on this Valentine's Day. And we hope to love some Auburn basketball tonight inside of Neville Arena. And to talk all things Auburn basketball, it's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing very well. This team has been through a lot of late, a lot of close battles uh, let's first talk about the battle inside of Neville Arena from Saturday afternoon. College game day was there. Great environment all weekend long, including gymnastics Friday night. Uh, but ultimately, Auburn struggling in the last five or six minutes as they have done multiple times now this year. Just what's going wrong for this team? And, and then also, I know some of it pertains to just how good Alabama was. Yeah, no, Alabama's excellent, and they're a team that has so many weapons uh, on that, their starters and their bench, and that was really a difference in the game. You have a guy come off the bench and bang in a few threes for Alabama, you know, even in a game where Auburn did a great job on Brandon Miller, you know, really committed to running Alabama off the three-point line. Um, you know, Bama was just too much down the stretch for him, and, and the big thing for Auburn is just their defense. You know, it's Yes, Auburn struggles on offenses. As Bruce Pearl has even mentioned this season, this is a team that is pretty offensively limited. Um, so they got to win with their defense. And when their defense isn't playing as well down the stretch of games at A&M and then against Alabama, it really, really hurts them. Uh, yeah, you would love for Auburn to be more efficient on offense down the stretch. But the bigger issue is they're not being able to grind out stops late. You can think about some of the close wins Auburn's had this season, Northwestern, St. Louis, Florida, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi State. They won that game with defense and rebounding down the stretch. And in these last two games, they have not been able to get those defensive stops uh, to, to help them out. So, you know, you're 25 games in the season. You can't really expect your offense to just catch fire here down the stretch. Um, but what you need to do is play to your strengths more. And for Auburn, final five minutes of these last two games, they have not really made the grade on defense. And that is really the big reason why they haven't been able to come out with either of those wins. Well, Auburn has had a couple of difficulties as of late in close ball games. Missouri, however, uh, has been playing very well as of late, beating Tennessee in their previous matchup, another buzzer-beating three against the Vols. Uh, Missouri is one of the best offensive teams in the country, Ferg. Uh, what are all the things that they do well, and how are the ways that they're going to challenge Auburn's defense tonight? This is a team that plays fast and runs a five-out system and really cater everything to their offense. It's not a great defensive team. This is not a great rebounding team. It doesn't really matter because they they just run and shoot really well. And, um, you know, that's kind of the thing that they've done. They're just going to try to track meet you, outscore you. Um, you know, they're, they're starting five. They've they've got one point guard. They've got a point guard who's under six foot. But then everybody else in the rotation is between 6'3 or 6'8. So you don't have a dominant post presence. But what you do have is a five-man like Kobe Brown, who is one of the tallest players on the floor for Missouri every time he steps out there, but he plays like a guard. And, you know, he's really good at driving. Uh, he's the best three-point shooter in the SEC this season in conference play. 
uh, for a guy who's 6'8", 250. And he's played a lot of basketball. The other thing about Missouri is they've played a ton of ball. Um, their top eight players in their rotation are all seniors. Um, you know, several of them transfers that have played a lot of different places. Um, and so what Dennis Gates has done is just really just um, play to the team's strengths. When you have experience, you have ball handlers, you don't have a ton of size, you just open it up and say, hey, we're going to run a five-out offense. We're going to shoot the ball, but we're going to get downhill, try to drive the lane, um, and get to the basket. And that's what they do a really good job of. They spread you out, they attack you, and they're very efficient with that. So for Auburn, uh, it's going to be a really, really tough test for, for their defense because this, this Missouri team can put up points in bunches. Um, they really lit up Tennessee's defense the other night, um, and they shoot a lot, and they, and they shoot threes, and that's kind of been the key for them this season. When they, when they hit a decent number of their three-pointers, they usually win. If they don't, um, you know, Auburn's going to have a really good chance to come out with a win. So it's going to be really, really key for Auburn to run Missouri off the three-line again. But unlike the Alabama game, do a good job of rotating behind and making sure that rim protection is still there because you don't want to have a situation like what happened with Alabama on Saturday where they didn't hit their threes, but they hit pretty much everything they wanted around the rim. So Auburn's got to do a better job and kind of learn from those mistakes uh, because Missouri is going to test them in the exact same way. Okay. Uh, and, and you mentioned that uh, on the defensive side about getting back, protecting the rim. Uh, and then this also goes for offense. But, I mean, that kind of lays at the feet of Janai Broom. Uh, against Alabama, Janai Broom has held to single digits in points and rebounds, and this is a guy that has been a double-double machine for most of the games this year. How and, and with the struggles that Auburn has offensively shooting the ball from the perimeter, how vitally important is it for Janai Broom to have a good game against Missouri? It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge because he's going to be several inches taller than anybody uh, Missouri puts out there, and he's got to be able to take advantage of that. Missouri tries to run and strip you. They are not very good on defense if you take care of the ball. They, they sell out with that, with that lack of size, and they try to run and, and force a bunch of turnovers. And so if you can take care of the ball, you're going to have really good looks, especially around the rim, because this, this Missouri team doesn't have a great interior defense at all. They're one of the worst ones in the SEC, one of the worst ones in power conference basketball because they gamble so much for those steals. So it's going to be very key for guys like Janai Broom and Jalen Williams to be ready and be open and, and have good hands and be strong with it uh, when they get those dump off opportunities because they are going to be there. So, you know, Alabama, you know, Alabama really gave Jai Broom a hard time in that game because Charles Bediaco played really, really well. And Bediaco is a big athletic, um, you know, five man uh, who gave, you know, can really rough you up and give you some trouble. Um, this is not a matchup where Missouri has one of those just over the, you know, over, over the top, like really, really good defensive presence is down low so yes this needs to be a really good Janai Broom game and it'll be very interesting to see how Auburn um you know really gets him going uh with his rebounding as well him and, and Jalen Williams because the way Missouri likes to run you're gonna have to commit a lot of guys to getting back getting back on defense playing good transition defense don't let them give up runouts so if Auburn does get some offensive boards in this game uh, which they can take advantage of because Missouri's not a great rebounding team I think a lot of it's gonna have to come through the fact that your five man under the rim's gonna have to do a lot of that damage Justin, I was reading through the game notes for this week, and I looked back at last year's game. Auburn beat Missouri fifty-five to fifty-four up in Mizzou, and that was uh, you know late February game. And I noticed Katie Johnson was the leading scorer, or had yeah led the score for that game uh, with seventeen points. And last year, when you look at this team, you had three guys that you could pretty much guarantee were going to be one of the leading scorers for the Tigers. It was Jabari Smith for obvious reasons, Wendell Green, and Katie Johnson. Wendell is still producing, and he you know there's been quite a few games this year where he's been the leading scorer for the Tigers. But it seems like KD's taken a step back. What have your thoughts of Katie Johnson's play to this point in the season? 
You know, I think as the season as a whole, Katie Johnson has had struggled. But, I mean, you could look at the last few games he's played. He has played really well. I mean, he has been pretty much all of Auburn's bench scoring uh, these last few weeks. Um, and he's done a really good job. I go back to that West Virginia game, that surge he had against West Virginia, um, where he helped Auburn come back in that one. Um, you know, he made some big plays against Tennessee. He made some big plays uh, for Auburn against Alabama this past week. So, you know, Katie's, I think it's the last five or six games, he's probably getting a little around, you know, double-digit points, maybe a tick under that for the average. Uh, he's playing really well recently. But, yeah, I mean, it just hasn't been, like, super, super consistent for him this year. Um, but I do think he's playing good basketball when it matters most and it's towards the end of the year. I think he's done a really good job of not being as, um, you know, not being as reckless with the ball in his hands. He's cut down his turnovers a lot, um, you know, and the outside shot's still not there really at a super consistent rate, but you can't really say that about anybody on Auburn's team this season. But I still think Katie Johnson's one of those guys who's one of the best on the team at driving and getting to the rim and making something happen. So in this game um, against Missouri, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have another opportunity because they're going to try to rip and get, you know, go and, and deflect. And if he gets those favorable opportunities, get in attack mode, take care of the ball, either dump it off to a big man or finish it yourself. Um, you know, he did a really good job of getting to the free throw line in the first half against Alabama. Um, you know, you still need to have that like that. So it was pretty quiet season. For KD, I really up until these last couple of weeks, because these last couple of weeks he's, he's starting to put it together. Justin, we only get you for once a week, and so I know everybody's focused right now on this Missouri game tonight, but I want to get a quick brief look ahead to Saturday. The Tigers go on the road to a place that a lot of teams have struggled to play at this year, uh, to Vanderbilt. What are your thoughts, uh, early thoughts on the Commodores? Oh, you know what you're going to get out of Vanderbilt each year. I mean, they're not going to be the most talented team in the league, but they're going to probably run the best stuff. Because Jerry Stackhouse is one of the best X's and O's coaches, not only in the SEC, but in college basketball. Um, you know, and, and that's, that, that's a team that's going to really challenge you in a lot of different ways. They've got size down low. They've got some playmakers on the perimeter. They're a more balanced team than what you're going to see out of Missouri uh, tonight. Um, and, and they've just got great X's and O's. And I think they execute their stuff pretty, pretty well um, to overcome for the fact that you know, they're not loaded with a ton of five stars uh, like some other teams may be in the SEC. And so they've been able to beat teams that way. Um, they're, they're just going to be, you know, it's kind of cliche to say this about a Vanderbilt team, but they're just going to be really fundamentally sound and, 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 you know, execute at a really high level. So it's going to be a tough matchup for Auburn for sure, um, you know, because it's just that Memorial Gym is weird and it's a tough place to play. Uh, and also I just think that, that Vanderbilt team every night, um, you know, unless, unless you're just absolutely blitzing them with your talent like Alabama did earlier in the season. Um, you're, you're pretty much going to be in a dogfight pretty much every time you play Vanderbilt. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. And Justin, this time of year it's inevitable when you have a team in the situation of Auburn's that we start to look at the bracketology. We start to try and figure out what Auburn might need to do to make the NCAA tournament. And we obviously talk a lot about Joe Lenardi. It's important to remember, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, that He's still not the tournament committee. His best guess is a good guess, but it's not necessarily what's going to happen. But as of now, Auburn in a last four by scenario with Joe Lenardi. So with that in mind, if that truly is where Auburn stands right now, uh, what's your barometer read for what Auburn needs to accomplish these last six games and then in the SEC tournament to be uh, in the field of 68? I think Auburn's a little bit more comfortably in than what Lenardi puts out. I mean, you look at places like Bracket Matrix and others where you can they kind of composite uh, way out the brackets. They have Auburn kind of more of an eight or a nine right now. But yeah, I mean, you've got to win. Uh, you've got you know right now the the trends are not great for Auburn, and so you need to turn it around. And I think you know 
point blank, you need to win these next three games if you're Auburn. These are three games where you're probably going to be favored in all three. We'll see about Vanderbilt on Saturday, but you're probably going to be favored in all three. Take care of business in those games. Uh, and, and you know the Missouri game will be a quality win. Vanderbilt on the road will be a quality win. And then you go down to that final three, and you've got at Kentucky, um, who is not looking as tough as they did at the beginning of the season. That will be a winnable game. Then you get Tennessee and Alabama, or Alabama and then Tennessee down the stretch. I think for what for, for to, to comfortably get in the SEC, the NCAA tournament, I think Auburn's got to win four out of the last six, uh, which is doable. Um, you know, if if they drop one of these next three, I think they're going to really need one of those marquee quad one wins and potentially some noise in the SEC tournament to get in there. So yeah, that's why that's why tonight's huge because I think this is the toughest of the next three Auburn's got, um, and they're at home. They need to take advantage of that. If they lose tonight, they're going to need to really, really play well in the, down the stretch and may need some help in Nashville. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty tense situation uh, for Auburn. But, you know, I think that's the thing about this team is that, the, you know, the bubble's pretty weak this year. You look at some of the teams that are out or the first four in or for, you know, last four in or first four out, it's a lot of teams that don't have quite the resume that Auburn does um, because of, you know, some of the wins Auburn was able to rack up earlier in the year. Um, you know, in non-conference play and early in SEC play. So, you know, they're not panicking at the moment. Um, and a loss tonight against Missouri could change some of that. But I, I do think, you know, three and three are probably three and three and not, you know, face planting in, in Nashville will probably get you in. Uh, four, four and two, I think you're, you're pretty comfortable. Uh, in, and you might be able to make some noise and move up those seed lines just because of how weak the bubble is this year. One fun with fur question for you, Justin, before we let you get out of here. Uh, you will be inside at Neville Arena for Valentine's Day tonight. Please describe to us your love of Ben's soft pretzels. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, most concession stand food is not very good. Um, it's kind of mediocre or worse pretty much everywhere you go, at the college level at least. Very when fair. You just, when, you, when you have just like the generic, like, you know, uh, concession stand, you know, companies that, that, that service these places, and you don't have like full scale restaurants or anything in there like some places do. So, in that case, when you go to an Auburn game and you get to cover it, and, and you know, they give us Auburn, you know, really uh, helps us out by giving us, you know, a meal voucher um, for, for there. And I, just, I don't know, just a couple of years ago, I just was like, you know, why am I wasting time doing anything else when I know the pretzel is going to be good every single time? Um, and it is, it is you know, going to be a pretty high quality thing. Like, yeah, you're, you're eating in a concession stand. You're not, you know, going to have a, have a really fine meal. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, they're big and they're, and they'll, you know, fill you up and, and, you know, there's a lot of variety there. Um, they're, they're awesome. I mean, they've, uh, they've really, really made covering Auburn basketball a whole lot easier for me the last few years. And so I'm looking forward here in a couple hours or so getting another one. Yeah, this will be my last time in the arena for the season, Ferg, and I, I think I'm going to have to close it out the right way with some Got to. some form Got to. Of, of Ben's soft pretzels. Might go pretzel bites, though, but uh, yeah. icing important and uh, just, just some form of that. Uh, tell us uh, and uh, the listeners what you got going on here at the Observer here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, if you want to check out a lot more about this Missouri matchup tonight and why Bruce Pearl is calling it the biggest game of the year for Auburn, check out today's newsletter at auburnobserver.com. You can sign up at $6 a month or $60 a year to get on the list. You get access to everything we've got newsletter-wise and podcast-wise. And so a lot of Auburn basketball out there right now. Lots of more football as we get you know deeper in the week in the next few weeks as we get closer and closer to the start of spring practice. And, yeah, we'll have a podcast kind of recapping all the action 
Uh, that'll probably go up Thursday morning, mailbag on Friday. So it'll be a pretty busy week. Great time to sign up, auburnobserver.com. Justin, as always, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk again soon. Yep, thanks, you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. One final timeout and hour number one. We'll be back to wrap it up right after this. Off the window and it falls. Auburn women's basketball's exclusive radio home is FM Talk 93.9. Graves whips it right side. AC with a three. Yes! Tune in all season long as this rebuilt roster looks to make some noise in the SEC and make it back to the postseason. Coverage begins 15 minutes before every game. Koulibaly rips down the rebound with the right hand. Koulibaly untouched to the lane. Right hand finishing in. And a foul. Auburn women's basketball lives all season long on FM Talk 93.9. Brought to you locally by Auburn Bank, the Car Stereo Shop, Coca-Cola, Empire Petroleum, and Kenny Knox Tire Center. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy. Brooks reading something in bewilderment for those that can't see them, which would be pretty much everybody except for me I'm and sorry. Tom. I was looking at golf scores because Auburn women's golf is down in the Bahamas for a uh-huh. tournament. They finished today, yesterday, even par for the team. Today they're plus 14 and in second place. Oh, so that... that Got them. Oh, well, did they lead after yesterday? They were l- leading okay. after yesterday. Now Wake Forest is even par. Eight under shot eight under today as I was a about team. To say, wow. It's like plus fourteen is not good. Yeah. Well, for team scores, uh, in general, it's apparently still pretty good if yeah. they're they're second. But uh, I, I just saw your bewilderment. So you I had, had to... uh, today you had a plus five, minus one, plus six, plus eight, plus four, plus four, plus eight, plus seven. Still, that's bad for one day. Yeah, it's not good for a day. Uh, that's that's on the women's golf side. Yeah, yep. uh, men's golf uh, ranked number one in the country right now. How about that? Very impressive. Um, golf. I mean, again, a lot of these sports that get less coverage obviously are are still uh, quite good for Auburn. We've we've mentioned equestrian in the past. I think everyone's been aware of their dominance there. And uh, there's there's a lot of these sports doing quite well right now. As always, we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us there just before that break and if you missed that interview you can check out the sports call podcast brought to you by coca-cola if you ever miss sports call live or if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast enjoy an ice cold coca-cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling the other side of the food voucher element which the media does get uh one per game is that there is a uh, refrigerator full of coke products uh, in the kind of the bowels of Neville Arena. And uh, so always got to get a Coke Zero or a Cherry Coke, depending on my mood that day. I might get both. I might, I might, you got to go out with a bang. This is the last one that I'll be in attendance for of the year. Uh, Brooks will be at that Tennessee game in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, so this is my last one. And I've, as I just mentioned, Ben saw pretzels. Ferg is right, though. That college concessions, um, not the best, and really a lot of sporting events, uh, sporting events, excuse me, concessions are not 
uh, a lot to write home about. I mean, everyone likes a good like ballpark peanut. I would say baseball. baseball's got the concessions games like beat by ever in any sort of imagine. But would you even say that about Plainsman Park? Or is it I just, used to. Is it just is it just the fact that they have maybe different foods? Not that they're great quality foods compared to other places, but just the peanut cracker jack type of thing, hot dog. I mean, you, I think you can get a hot dog in Neville Arena though. You too. can. Uh, well, connect a sausage dog. True. Um, I used to say that about Plantsman Park. They had a. They, there was a few years ago. They had a grilled cheese stand. Woo! <laughs> I still think about those sandwiches sometimes because they had one called uh, the Grilled Southern Charm, and I've, I'm sure I've talked about it on air before. But it was two pieces of Texas toast, two slices of American cheese, pimento cheese, bacon, and jalapenos. Dang! And it was That's just a lot going oh, on there. It was. Gosh, it was just the, the best. That's a lot going on for a grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's just, it, it could sometimes just be bread and cheese. It, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's uh, impressive. Uh, now that I know that that existed, I'm now sad that it no longer exists. Did you know, speaking of grilled cheese, did you know that some people put, instead of butter the bread, they m- put mayonnaise on the bread? Gross. Why? I It, it makes it like creamier or something. Gross. Yes, as well. I, <laughs> I, I I don't like that at all. Didn't realize it, but it was it was good. I've had it once, and it was pretty. Well, it was see, I good. don't like mayonnaise. So I, that's, I, that's my that is, mayonnaise is like the bane of my existence. Mm. It's like the worst substance ever created. Yeah, it, I wouldn't do it every time. I'm not a condiments but, guy in general, so mayonnaise, any of that. But, but I, I I think. Back on our on the concession stands, I yeah. think you know you you get the articles every single year about all the ballpark foods that are coming around to like minor league parks and major league parks, and you're like, man, that looks good, or man, that would kill me if I ate even two bites of that. Right. And so I, you don't get that for football. You don't get that for like when the NBA season starts up. You're like, oh, here's the new concession items in you know Crypto.com Arena. No one's talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, but. It, college concessions even worse though than, yeah. than the pro uh, pro concessions because I can tell you uh, went to Magic's uh, Orlando Magic's Arena and at least they had a couple of um, name brand food food places or, or food items and then they also had like a grab and go station where it was kind of like a mini convenience store wow. on the side uh, and wrap wraps and bottle drinks and and all that sort of stuff so. Uh, at least they try a little bit at professional concessions, but yeah, after after going to Thompson Bowling and, and having like five or six different brands there, and then having Neville Arena, you just got Chick Fil A and the Ben's Pretzels. Again, this is not a slight on Neville Arena or or any other, or excuse me, or Neville Arena compared to most arenas because a lot of arenas are that way. But your generic hot dog and hamburger, not gonna do a whole lot, <laughs> not gonna do a whole lot. And uh, but Ben's Pretzels. Quite good. We'll partake in just a couple of hours. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back in hour number two, more college basketball talk. We'll also update you on who the new offensive coordinator of the Georgia Bulldogs are. And we'll kind of have a review of the NFL season, give Brooks a chance to chime in on his thoughts from Super Bowl Sunday. Out of time for hour number one. More sports ball coming up after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway of Sports Call here on this Valentine's Day Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here today, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Appreciate, again, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in hour number one. And now let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line to start hour number two. The numbers today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 First up on the Auburn Bank phone line today, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? I'm fine, how y'all are doing? Doing very well. Great. Yeah. Saw something on um, somewhere read on um, defense. The Auburn University defense, not this defense, hold a, a major record. Probably a lot of people don't even know. What would that be? And number of interceptions in one game. All right. That happened in that happened November the first, I believe, nineteen sixty nine. Auburn was number seventeen, playing number seven, Florida. They had made nine interceptions. They had intercepted ten, but one was taken away. And the quarterback for Florida was John Reed. All right. Wow, nine interceptions—that's a—that's a—that's a record. That yeah, that's a lot. Nine, nine interceptions in, in, in one game. They went to—I think—I think that game was played in Florida. Oh. Uh, Man, that's... yeah, you can go back and look at it and pull it up. But yeah, that got me. Then they was wondering why the coach didn't run the ball or. Uh, and Auburn won the game. I believe Auburn won the game, thirty-eight seventeen. Yeah, I would. I would. I would really hope you won <laughs> won the game after creating yeah, that many turnovers. Thirty-eight seventeen. I thought it was just a hope or something. You know, something I was reading, but it is uh, true. That's a record. Yeah, I, I've I've actually got it right here against Auburn, November the first, nineteen sixty-nine. Uh, Reeves threw a record nine interceptions. Yeah. Goodness. And they, they took one back. He had, they had two ten, but they negated one. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But what what is, I, I know it's three days, two, three days later, but the Super Bowl, I mean, can they do something about officiating in all of sports? Yeah, it feels like we're having to talk about officiating in uh, just about every form and fashion now. And, and what was disappointing was I felt that they had done – such a good job up until that call. Up until that point. Yeah, they, they had really uh, – they had had a couple tough calls to make with reviews, and I thought they'd gotten them right. And then uh, that pivotal call, which pretty much ended Philadelphia's chances. Yeah. 
I got one other question. Where's JJ nominated? Yeah, so uh, JJ is uh, obviously no longer the the host of this show. Uh, he okay. uh, he left at the end of uh, December. He is still in Auburn. Uh, he uh, works for a, a, a different company, and then. Uh, with not radio though, just with uh, kind of the uh, sports food service industry. But then also he uh, still does Auburn commentary, so he does still does Auburn softball. He was on uh, this station actually last weekend doing Auburn softball, and will continue to do Auburn Sports Network and SEC Network stuff. Uh, but he's no longer with Tiger Communications. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I thought I was. You know, it's something. What do you what do you always say? Two hours gone and we rolling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, then, man. I just thought I'd mention. I, I I didn't think a lot of people knew that. I mean, dating back that far, '69. You got some people around Auburn that know just you know individual people. You know, not in that time, not in that time zone. I don't think would have known. Yeah. Well, well anyway, man, I enjoy talking to you all and. Um, Auburn, what do y'all think about the game tonight? Yeah, this is a very important one for Auburn. Missouri is probably just a little bit better team, but it is in Auburn, which which evens things out. The crowd is going to have to uh, be involved, which obviously on Valentine's Day and a 6 o'clock tip against an unranked team is, uh, is not as big of a given. But uh, this is one that Auburn needs. I think it will be higher scoring, so it's going to be very interesting to see if Auburn can, can keep up with Missouri's offense. Yeah, how does Wonder Green classify? Uh, 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 he, he's a junior. Yes. You think he's gone? Well, I, I don't think he has any pro prospects, so he would either he'd either be back to Auburn or he would find somewhere else to transfer. I'm sure Auburn wants him back though, as their as their lead guard on this team. So I, I, I see him being in Auburn next year. Yeah, he's sometimes putting Auburn on his back. Yeah, they they've asked him to do a lot this year and. Uh, he has done a lot. I think that at times he's been inefficient and, and has kind of proven to be a really good number two player and, and not necessarily a great number one player the way they've asked him to be uh, at times this year. But uh, he's certainly been asked to do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to you all, and I wish them the best of luck tonight. Yes, sir, Tony. We like talking to you, and we appreciate you calling in. All right. You all have a good one. You too. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on our Auburn Bank phone call. Always appreciate him calling in, uh, talking to us a little bit about a record we, we did not know about. Uh, nine interceptions is a lot, and I'm with Tony there. I don't know why that quarterback was still, was still in the game or why they didn't start running the ball. Um, and then uh, secondly there, a little bit about uh, Auburn basketball. And, again, we've been talking about that Missouri game uh, coming up here uh, 6 o'clock tip, 5.30 airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. And next up, we've got Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. And you guys? Doing all right. Doing good. Well, just like I promised, uh, you know, uh, Bama didn't score 100 points like I thought they would, and it didn't beat Auburn by 50. So, uh, hey, I called <laughs> just let you know, hey, hey, that's just what it is. But, uh, you know. It's a heck of a game. Back- it's a heck of a game, though. Yeah, that's what I heard. I didn't get a chance to see it. You know, I've been working a lot of hours lately, so I missed out on that one. But uh, Bruce Pearl's back against the wall now. I mean, that's three or four games in a row he's lost. and So now he's got to tackle Missouri. Are they playing Missouri here in town tonight or is that on the road? That is uh, in Neville Arena tonight at 6. 
oh, wow, okay, going to be a barn burner here in Auburn from the home crowd. Well, they're going to have to go ahead and produce a win because it ain't looking good because they got to play Bama again, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, got to play Tennessee too, right? That is yeah. correct. Last week of the year, they are at Alabama on Wednesday, Ooh. and they host Tennessee on that Saturday. Auburn also has Auburn also has to play at Kentucky. Oh wow! So I would say Bama very well may get twenty five points with being at home in front of the home crowd up there in Tuscaloosa. So uh, that could very well possibly happen. They go ahead and uh, shoot a good twenty five uh, uh, ahead of them and everything, and uh, go ahead and wipe them out. I tell you, you know, uh, me and uh, I watched the Super Bowl and. I was disappointed with the Chiefs done at the end. I know that's the strategy they use to milk the clock, but you got a guy that all he do is take one more step that could have been in the end zone for a touchdown, and you're going to try some dumb strategy of uh, taking a knee there and then keep milking the clock and go for a field goal when a field goal kicker that already missed the field goal earlier. Now just look at it this way. Let's say if that field goal had been blocked and the Eagles would have scooped and scored, there would have been no time left on the clock. That been it. The game been over with, and you would have gave away a Super Bowl victory when all you had to do was just walk on in the end zone. Sure, I but I think I think in the, in the NFL, Anthony, just the kickers are so much better than in college. I mean, that is that is much rarer there than it is in college. And uh, and normally, look, I, I'm a fan of scoring the touchdown too. I don't trust kickers in general either. But it's such a short kicker for a professional kicker that that's like a 95 percent kick right. right there. And, and and the Chiefs kicker Budker is one of the best in the NFL. I mean, the one that he missed was a long field goal. Uh, that dude's clutch from uh, dang near anywhere on the field, and when you put him that close, uh, that that's about as automatic as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, but it's in his mind that he'd already missed one. And like I said, uh, if touchdown would have been guaranteed if you took that step. Why even put yourself in a situation like that? I mean, hoping that that's going to work when you can just go ahead and, and, and step on in, and then uh, you know whatever time been left, a minute or whatnot. Get the Eagles opportunity to see if they can make that march, victory march down the field. Go jaw to jaw, stand up and and, and play a man like football game to be some kind of coward uh, playing around with percentages with a calculator. I, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I've been an owner of uh, the Chiefs. I, I mean, even though we'd have won the game, I'd have talked to him, told him I don't never want to see no stupid stuff like that again. Because uh, if a man can step in the end zone and score you a touchdown, go ahead and get it. Ain't no waiting to see if a field goal gonna work out. Could have had a bad snap. Could have got blocked or whatnot, or uh, could have went wide left, wide right, or whatever. It could have went. That's a possibility that could have happened. Why even fool with something like that? I mean, in a game that big, on the biggest stage you could possibly be in, I just would not bet this ain't my brand of football myself. I mean, everybody got their own opinion, but I wouldn't have done it. We've seen Auburn High do the same stupid thing and, and cost them a state championship. I've seen uh, some teams uh, in the MAC conference uh, do some stupid stuff like that. And it almost backfired because a kick did get blocked or whatnot, but the guy was not able to return it. But I don't care for that kind. That's just a coward type of football, or assisted boy football, if you want to call it, uh, if you will, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm not a fan of that. that I'm just going to tell you, not that kind of strategy. All right. Well, I, we can tell. Uh, look, I, I think in this age of offensive football, the, the, the thought process there was if you give Philadelphia a minute 45 to go score with a timeout, or, or I think two timeouts at that juncture, they, they have a very good chance of doing that. That chance of Philadelphia going and scoring is higher than the chance of Kansas City missing that field goal. Yeah. And, and, right. and, and so that's, that's become a lot more popular here in these last couple of years of teams deciding to milk the clock and, and letting it be a short 25-yard field goal, that sort of thing, instead of giving the other team 
the chance to possess the ball because also what Philadelphia could have done is if they go down and score themselves, they could go for two uh, and, and be crazy and, and go for two, and then you don't get a chance to answer because they took time and, and went down and scored. So there's a lot of ways when you're, when you're talking about low percentage plays, there's a lot of ways that could have played out. I think more ways playing out negatively if they do go ahead and score versus running it down like they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's a way of looking at it. But like I said, I would just assume, hey, just going in the end zone and we're going to play defense and we're going to, st- we're going to go jaw to jaw. If we can't stop them, then we don't need to win. That's just it. If we can't stop them, then they, hey, we'll go out there and shake the man's hand and raise his hand in victory and then get your butt off the field and let them enjoy their moment. That's the way I see it, and that's, that's the way I call it. I just uh, That kind of crazy football, that just ain't, ain't my brand of ball. I just went in and had food with it. I don't care what kind of percentages you want to do with a calculator, if, buts, and all this stupid stuff. All the man had to do is just walk on in the end zone and take care of it. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Now, Jalen Hurts must improve, but I'm not quite sure if he could have made that victory march uh, in a minute 40 or whatever they would have had left. I'm, I'm just not quite sure if he would actually pulled it off. Yeah. But we'll never know now because he didn't get an opportunity to do so. Yeah, I, the the only thing I, I I would agree with you if the two teams were not playing for anything. If it was just a matter of just shake the man's hand and it's like, oh, you you know, you got me this time. No, I mean they're playing for millions. There, there's millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line for those two teams between winning the Super Bowl and being the runner up. So yeah. that you know, and the players get huge bonuses. Millions yeah. of dollars in bonuses if they win the Super Bowl. So that's a lot more than just being able to just go out there and go, hey, you know, good game, guy. You know, you got us this time. I'll tell you this in 2013 in the Rose Bowl when uh, Trey Mason scored that touchdown against FSU, I kind of wish he had stopped a little bit short and maybe Auburn could have milked some clock off because we gave FSU plenty enough time to come down the field and win the game on us. Well, you know, Ellis Johnson was in charge of defense, he should have had him ready to go. I mean, you know, people like to play some kind of old stupid prevent, but you got to go ahead and attack people. You've been attacking them all night. Continue to attack them. That's just what you got to do. I mean, <laughs> I just, like I said, I just ain't no fan of this stupid. Uh, Could have walked on in the end zone and had the touchdown, and you want to take a chance and milk the clock. That night would have worked out. Then what you going to do? Sit there and look, well, oh, well, I played the percentages and we done lost. And the man could have walked in and been over with. But, I mean, you know, if you want to play that, then you're more than welcome if you're head coach of a team on to fool around with something like that. But that just ain't nothing I would be doing. I'm just going to tell you the truth. <laughs> if you got a chance to get on in his own, go ahead and go on in there. <laughs> that's the best thing to do. But look here, uh, if Auburn don't win tonight, then that's going to be probably no tournament, NCAA tournament, right? Uh, they would be – it would be very 50-50 at that point. They'd have to come up with one of the – like a win against Tennessee or a win against Kentucky. It would not rule them out because they are – one of the last four buys right now, but but they definitely would have to uh, back up against the uh, backs up against the wall at that point. You know, so much was expected out of this team. You know, last year they had the kind of season they had, and you know, kind of fell short, didn't quite meet the expectations with their talent. They had Wesley uh, Kelso, uh, what is his name? Wesley uh, Kelso or uh, Walker Kessler? Walker, Walker Kessler, that's right. Walker Kessler and that other guy, I can't think of the other guy's name, but Jabari you know, Smith. Uh, yeah, Jabari Smith. They just didn't quite meet the expectations last year, you know, but hoping this year that with recruiting and whatever you had coming back was going to get together and, and get out there and do some great things. But look like they've fallen short, look like the wheels and fell off and or whatnot. So we'll see what happens in the next uh, couple of weeks with these remaining games and what may happen in the conference uh, uh, tournament or whatnot. You know, I'm sure Auburn probably get an NIT bid guaranteed. Uh but uh, I think the fans will really want something special this year and don't look like that's going to happen. 
So we'll see. But now all that big money that we talked about last year, uh, he didn't sign for it. It's on the table. He didn't put it in the bank and eating all that good cheese. So we'll see what happens. Y'all have a good one, and I'll talk to you later. I appreciate the phone call as always. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, Bruce Pearl eating good cheese there at the end uh, from (laughs) uh, signing that extension last year. Uh, Look, this team has not met expectations, but I'm also not sure that the expectations were – uh, were quite as high as maybe Anthony let on there. The the it was a top twenty five preseason team, but I don't think anyone really expected this team yeah. to go be an elite eight team or anything like that. Uh, they have certainly still fallen short of a top twenty five team to to be on the bubble. So in that sense, they're a little short of expectations. And and look, the the freshmen they brought in are are probably the the bridge gap there from. If they had met expectations, they would have gotten more out of their freshmen, and they have not gotten much out of their freshmen. Therefore, they're a little below expectations. But uh, this isn't a disaster of a team. You know, this is not a disaster of a season. They are still one or two quality wins away from locking in an NCAA tournament bid. And again, uh, thinking about where Auburn came from is still, I think, relevant here because Auburn did not make an NCAA tournament from, what, early 2000s to 2016 or so, 2017? So uh, I I think still there is a baseline appreciation for being a tournament team. And, look, weird things happen in the tournament. I would not project Auburn to do much in the tournament, but also I don't think any team that makes the first four or, or is one of the last teams into the NCAA tournament is ever expected to go in runs. And yet we've seen... Teams from the first four go to the final four, as a matter of fact, in the 10 or so years that they've been they've been playing that out that way. So just getting a ticket to the dance uh, is important and valued, uh, even in a, a season that maybe is not meeting top 25 expectations like this year uh, for Auburn. We need to go ahead and take our next commercial break of the show today. When we come back, retired Ward AM Steve will join us. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Happy Great. Valentine's Day again, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Brooks. Happy Valentine's Day, Tom. I didn't even get you a card still. No. Well, you had a chance in the break, but. Uh, well, yeah, it was a little bit of a break there. Not a long break. Not an hour break. Maybe the hour break. You I, well, I'm, that's what I meant is the hour break. We had a little bit of a, a break there. He, he walked out of the studio and. I thought, oh, he's going to get my uh, my card, and then came back empty-handed. Wow. 
Sorry. But uh, happy Valentine's Day to all the callers out there. How does that sound? All of our listeners and great guests that we have on the program. And with that, we just had uh, Tony and Anthony on the Auburn Bank phone line. And let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Feeling good, guys. Ward Dam, happy Valentine's Day to all you guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Day. All right. So uh, it's always fun following a call from uh, Mr. Anthony and – yeah, he never ceases to disappoint me uh, in his arrogance about Alabama, well, whether it's football or basketball or golf or tennis. Uh, and you have a right to be wrong, uh, Anthony, uh, about some of those comments you made, like uh, that it was stupid or cowardly for the strategy, a really smart strategy that I think it was, yeah. uh, by Kansas City Chiefs to do what they did. Had Trey Mason done that uh, for us, like you said, Tom, we'd have won the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I doubt about mine. We would have won the game. Sure, I, I thought it's great strategy, and you know, when you're trying to win the biggest game of the year, you don't just score and like, all right, well, let's just hope we can stop them. That's the biggest game of the year. We're going to do every bit of strategy you can to get a W there, and yeah, you don't you don't give them another chance to score. And like you pointed out too, Ron, you give someone like uh, Jalen Hurts or even Joe Burrow or Mahomes a minute forty seconds. Good luck. Yeah, in this, this day and age of the sport, that's just too much time. Good luck. And they had two timeouts. Right. Yep. It's like giving uh, a 10 minutes to, to um, someone like a Jalen Hurts. Well, like, yeah, like I said, there was a higher probability that the Eagles go and score in a minute 45 than there was that uh, Kansas City misses that field goal. That field goal for a pro kicker is 95 to 97% right there. So... Uh, that was by far the, the smarter play there. And, 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 look, there is always value in guaranteeing a score. But, uh, again, it, it, in, in high school, yeah, maybe you don't rely on the kicker. And in college, sometimes I don't trust the kicker. But in the NFL, you got the 32 best kickers in the world. Butker is one of them. Uh, that, you know, you, that's just such an obvious play because, I mean, you, you run that down to 10 or 15 seconds. Worst case, you miss it and you go to overtime. But – uh, I would I would argue the worst case is even worse for you if you go score right there because again Philly Nick Sirianni he's a very aggressive coach he went for it on fourth down several times there's absolutely a chance if Philly goes and scores they go for two uh, with with a few seconds left so that there was a lot of ways when you start going percentages that that could have worked out bad and I think they they did the smartest thing there well exactly I me mean, I'd never want to get the ball back with any time left you know. Uh, to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, in that game. Uh, so anyway, moving on, guys. Uh, we didn't talk about. I know you guys mentioned on the podcast was about the commercials. So real quickly, I have my top three. I want to hear your top three. All right. My top three were uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, T-Mobile with John Travolta's rendition, or I guess re- replay of uh, the Greece uh, scenario. You know. Uh, I thought that was really good with uh, T-Mobile and him singing uh, that part. So it's unfortunate that uh, Living Union John wasn't around uh, to sing it with him. Sure. My uh, uh, second uh, top three was the premature electrification. I think it was by Dodge Ram Trucks, wasn't it? Oh, the I don't believe so. Electric. Yeah. Well, who, who sponsored it? It was Dodge Ram, I think. Yeah. Uh, the pre, uh, pre premature electrification issue problem, right? And the girl keeps telling me at the end, 
You got to stop. You got to go. Stop. Go. Yeah. And then uh, the the other one, uh, there were uh, some of the the uh, Ben Stiller and Steve Martin Diet Pepsi commercials. Yeah, the Pepsi Zero Sugar. I'm an actor. Uh, you yeah. know, did, did I, I like this or, or am yeah. I not? Is yeah. it good or not? Yeah. I thought those were good. And then some runner-ups I thought maybe might have been the uh, the Bud Light commercials. Uh-huh. You remember those? Uh, one of them, uh, the girl, this guy, and she's on hold waiting to talk to somebody at the bank. And so they start, he starts dancing to the uh, hold on. Hold oh, yeah. Music. Uh, it was, Miles Teller was the was the actor. Okay, that's who it was? Okay, all right. And then the, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the Rambo uh, actor, uh, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone, in the mountain, uh, him sneezing. Right, and falling off. and yeah. yeah. I thought it was pretty neat. All right, so moving on, guys, back to tonight's game. The uh, line is six and a half, and the over and under is 151 and a half. And I think I heard you say, Ryan, you expect it to be high scoring? I do. Uh, Missouri scores 82 points a game. They're one of the most efficient offenses in the country. They shoot the ball very well. I think it's going to be very difficult for Auburn to hold Missouri to a low number. Now, the good news is, as Justin Ferguson was talking about in the 3 o'clock hour, Missouri's defense is not particularly good. Uh, they're kind of an all-or-nothing defense where they go for some steals. If they don't get it, then you can blow by them and, and get a good shot. So I think Auburn's going to have the opportunity to have a lot of open shots in this game, but, of course, they got to make them. Yeah, well, as typical for any opponent we play, there's always the, this, the opponents always have – Somebody who leads the SEC in something, right? Right, and this time it's Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown, good God. He's their top three-point shooter in the SEC, 46.1%, according to what I'm reading from 247 Sports. And it, uh, it's amazing. It's a, and it, Well, and it's an amazing turnaround for Kobe Brown, too. He's always been a quality player, a double-digit scorer uh, for Missouri, or at least he was last year uh, as well. But, the I mean, he's a senior. His first three years at Missouri – he never shot the three well. He shot at 25%, 25%. Last year, he shot 21% from three, and now he's more than doubled that this year, as you alluded to. Yeah, and then the other category that, uh-oh, we don't want this one, but we're getting it. Uh, foul trouble. I did not know that Missouri is in the top 150 nationally, number five in the SEC in free throw attempts for possession. Sure. Yeah, and They're they shoot it. Number forty-five in the country, free throw percentage. I was just about saying That's, they shoot it well, seventy-five percent or so. Seventy-five point six. Yeah. Really, gee, but they, and I thought this was going to be a pretty strong win. Uh, now, the uh, BPI ESPN gives us about almost seventy-seven percent. I think seventy percent chance of winning. And team rankings gives us about seventy-two percent chance. And uh, sports line gives us about sixty-two percent chance. Uh, not being a point spread, though, of course, sportsman about four points. So, guys, what's your sense about the uh, uh, turnout tonight uh, for students and uh, the rest of the crowd? Yeah, we, we've talked a little bit about this, and we we, we really don't know. Uh, there's a lot of factors uh, that, that could cause a few less people to be there, obviously Valentine's Day being one of them, Missouri not getting the, the name recognition that some other schools in this league do, not being ranked, and then a 6 o'clock tip, which – is just practical for people getting off of work, whether it be in the Opelika area, Auburn Opelika area, or over in Montgomery, where we have a lot of listeners and 
Uh, a lot of people commute from Montgomery to Auburn. They might live in Auburn and work in Montgomery or go to games and living in Montgomery. And so that 45-minute to an hour drive after getting off work at 5 o'clock puts you getting into Auburn right at game time. And, and I remember two weeks ago for the A&M game, it was a bit of a late-arriving crowd. They eventually did get in there. But at tip, it was not full, and the student section was really not particularly full either. So uh, it is possible it is not full in there. In fact, it's probably probable that it's not going to be full uh, tonight, but still hopefully it's 90% or so, and it's still still hopefully a very good environment. And those times, are they chosen by the universities or by who? Um, I would think it's probably a – now this is my educated guess. Yeah, let me let me say this is my educated guess. I do not know this for a fact. I would think it is probably conference and TV getting together to try and sort out when they can show games at what time, so they don't overload one time slot. They give TV an opportunity to broadcast all these teams that they'd want to broadcast and on the specific network. So I would assume it is some sort of conference and TV alignment, but I do not know that for a fact. Okay, uh, so it's no point in, in beating um, the, this dead horse, and of course, even uh, uh, Coach Pearls acknowledged it. Uh, and the team and the players, I heard uh, you know several players on video comment they understand the importance of this game, understanding and doing something about it. That was quite different, and uh, I don't know how fixable um, these last four games is going to be for us to you know not foul so proficiently as we t- tend to do uh, with opponents, uh, guys. You see. Any way to uh, turn us around because we are unfortunately are sending uh, the best uh, free throw shooters uh, to the line every darn game that we've lost. Yeah, sometimes th- this is going to sound like a little bit of an oxymoron, but sometimes good defensive teams foul a little bit more. And the reason that is is because it shows a level of aggressiveness that you're not simply backing off of players, that you're trying to get up and get steals and trying to bother them. And sometimes that leads to extra fouls. Now, the very best defenses in the country are usually able to be that sort of aggressiveness and not foul. Auburn, as what I would just say is a solid defensive team, a pretty good defensive team, they get up on you, but they have sometimes with with elite players getting a big 30-point game, as we know, and then also, yes, they foul sometimes. And so sometimes that fouling is actually not out of a bad place. Sometimes it is because of aggressiveness, and you like teams uh, to not just sit back and and lightly contest shots. Sometimes Auburn's aggressiveness just becomes a, a bit of a problem in the foul department. Well, here's a question. Maybe you can't answer it. That's uh, to all you guys. But the, the fouls that gets in trouble, is it due to, like you said, our aggressiveness? But then you said the other teams are aggressive. They don't get fouled. Is that just bad luck on our end uh we get the wrong officials well what 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 might explain why you said their other teams are aggressive but they don't get thousands or get called fouls as much as we do well I, I think it's a combination of things first off i think it starts with auburn like i said is a good defensive team but i wouldn't call them great and like a great virginia t- uh or excuse me a great defensive team for example might be a virginia where they maybe don't foul as much. That's one of the marks of what separates them from good to great is that they're able to play that aggressive, good contesting defense without committing as many fouls. So I think a trade of Auburn 
just being good instead of great is that they foul a little bit more of some other teams. And then, yes, at times, obviously, officials do play a role in it. I'm not going to sit here and say that's every game for Auburn because that would be disingenuous. But, yes, there have been one or two times this year where, obviously, they've not gotten favorable whistle. We know the Texas A&M game that happened a week ago in College Station would be a very good example of that. So sometimes Auburn has – sometimes it's on them to either adjust to the referees or, or find a way to be aggressive but not over-aggressive. Uh, but at times also they get bad calls and but that's like every that's like every team there so I think it's just on them to find the right level of aggressiveness and, and be able to play up until what the officials allow yeah speaking of that you know real brief I just read over the weekend that uh, apparently the Duke fans were really 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 that call at the time I did not realize that why that was a bad call. Uh, they, they reviewed that play at the end with Kyle Filipowski in that tie game. And I thought the main contact that was called was called after the clock expired, which I still to be true, although if you go and slow it down, it looks like there might be a little contact up top with 0.1 or 0.2 seconds left. But I thought the official kind of called it with the body after the clock went to zero. Well, even still, if that was the contact he was calling, that was a bad call because the rule states that if a shot is in the air then and that foul occurs while the shot is in the air, which it still was, then it does not matter that the clock expired if the shot was taken before 0.0, which in that case it was. It still should have been a foul with no time on the clock. He should have shot two free throws with no time on the clock if he makes one, the game's over. So it did end up being a bad call just for a reason that I was not aware of at the time. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, because I know my time is going to be short here too. Uh, There was an interesting column today uh, written, I think, using Jason Caldwell. Uh, who wrote this? Uh, anyway, it's about, uh, it's entitled, uh, The Case for Every for every Team, you know, that's going to be coming up this uh, 2024 schedule. There's going to be three permanent uh, opponents uh, for us. Uh, have you read that article by Nathan King? I have not, but I've seen different renditions of who people are projecting. Okay, well, I'll tell you my projections, uh, and I want to see if you guys disagree with them or not. Definitely Alabama and Georgia. I agree. But the third one's one is what is a real dilemma for me. Yes. I've got one amongst these three teams. One might be Florida. Florida used to be a traditional opponent for, for Auburn. Right. Okay. The next one, this would be this used to be a traditional almost every year opponent for us, and it was a rivalry, Tennessee. And finally, LSU. I don't know which one amongst those three guys uh, we'd want to be a permanent uh, opponent, uh, guys. I want to hear your thoughts among those three. Would you pick uh, other ones? But th- those, to me, have been our traditional. You know, LSU's been more recent traditional right. opponent. The other two have been more, more long-time traditional yeah. opponent. Florida and Tennessee. Who would you pick, guys? So I think there's two layers to this. One is what would be. actually happen is it depends on who everyone else is going to have guaranteed as well because it could be that Auburn please don't do that well I you could say please don't do that from a rival's perspective but (laughs) 
that we have played traditionally that means something. And I and I respect that, Steve. I mean, th- that is a, a great. In my mind, though, South and, Carolina, don't do that. And that's a possibility too. I think Please. we need. Sports call, uh, sports call, kind of scheduling where, where we have everyone have their three. of rivalry. I think Florida would be the coolest because I agree that the LSU stuff the last 20 years has been has been pretty damn good and that's become a pretty big deal. But I think that that if you wanted to say what would be kind of a wow factor or what might be a little bit different, going back to that Florida rivalry, because again, I, I have to speak to this as someone that was coming in on the tail end of the Florida stuff. It's so I watch them, Nick's the Sanders. Sure. It, it feels like the way that Auburn and Florida has talked about, if you go back through the history books, that that one is still bigger than what LSU and Auburn has become. So I would say if you're going for the best rivalry matchup, I would like to see Auburn-Florida. But, again, there's more layers to that that we will have to discuss moving forward. Well, do you guys have to know how these decisions uh, will be made? Who will make them? Oh, well, the SEC will make them. Um, I mean, who who determines, no, Auburn, you're not going to get this team even though you want them. We're going to make you take this team. I don't think it's going – I don't think that decision is not going to come down like that. It's just how they just organize it. I mean, I, nobody's going to be out to get Auburn. Nobody's going to be out to preference Auburn or, or any other team. They've just got their idea. I don't and, know if teams will will actually submit requests to the SEC either. I don't think. Oh, you the don't team, think? No, I, I don't no, think no. so. I, no. I I think I honestly think that ever since uh, a couple of years ago when the announcement. Will there be no rule? No, I don't think so. Um, but uh, you know, I think ever ever since it was announced that these two were coming to the coming into the conference, th- there was a brain trust immediately putting together a plan on how this was going to. Uh, go about so I mean it's not like these guys are now just suddenly scrambling and trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, I'm I'm sure that some of the mighty brain trust at the SEC already at least in pencil kind of had this thing outlined on what this is going to look like now they're probably just discussing things with ESPN and other TV factors and and, and kind of getting all their uh, T's crossed and I's dotted and all these kinds of things and you know it's not something they're just going to recklessly throw together it's something that they've had a couple of years to think about and have um, probably had many many discussions within closed doors about how they're going to handle all this and you think there'll, there'll be no input from in the um university or the athletic departments uh, of these football programs i think they'll get some input yeah in- in, yeah i mean there, there's going to be input but i mean it, you can only give so much input because i mean of course you know i, I uh, i'm if if you're let's just say you're Mississippi State, you know, sure. If you're the head coach at Mississippi State, you're begging and pleading with him. Please don't make me have to play Auburn, Alabama, and LSU every single year. You know, they're going to be begging for that. I'm sure Auburn. I'm sure Hugh Freeze would probably go and and tell them it's like, listen, please don't make us play Georgia, Alabama, LSU every single year. Uh, you know. I, there's probably some input like that, and they probably take everything into consideration. Um, 
but ultimately they've got to do what's best for the league and, and how they see this working out in the best possible way. Um, uh, you know, as much as people may distrust the SEC front office and everything, it's kind of one of those, like, just trust their process, let them do their process, and let's see how all this shakes out. Okay, so here's my write it down. Last thing for us, Steve, and then we'll have okay. to let you go. I, can't ima- I cannot imagine that in the selection of the teams that they will take away uh, Alabama and Auburn. No, yeah, they won't. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, I know you, uh, you're going to the game, right, Ron? Yes, I am. I'll be leaving in just and, a little bit. And Brent's going? Uh, no. Uh, or Brent's going as a fan. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay, all right. I hope you guys have a enjoyable time. Hey, guys, do you expect this to be a white-knuckle nail-biter game again? I think it will be a close game. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll get my uh, – <laughs> uh, get, get the Pepto ready. I'll get my stuff ready. All right, with that said, guys, hey – Thank you for your time, as always. And, uh, by the way, Anthony, I'll take you up on that uh, being wiped out by 25 points. Uh, you let me know uh, what you want to put up for it. So, with that said, guys, I hope to gosh our guys are ready to put an end to these uh, last-minute uh, comeback by other by their opponents. So, guys, have a safe afternoon and evening again. Enjoy your Valentine's evening. Talk to you more, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle, thank you for calling us, as always. That is Retire Ward AM Steve. Joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just one minute left before we've got to take our hour break. Again, Brooks Childress will take over this host seat for hour number three. Tom Peavy will be with him. Uh, wrapping up for me here today. Again, I'm on to Neville Arena in just a moment. That is going to be fascinating talk, though, throughout the whole summer or spring and summer. That's going to be an SEC Media Days topic, I'm sure, of the scheduling First, we got to make sure it's going to be nine games and not eight because eight's right. still fathomable. I, I I don't think eight makes sense. I don't want to see eight. I think it needs to go nine and then three constant teams and six crossover. And if you read between the lines of what Sankey has said, he says that he has not been happy with how infrequently teams are rotating through other teams' campuses. He has right. said that terminology, teams going through other campuses. Yeah. And so I think they're aware. I don't really don't know why it wouldn't turn out to be eight games in seven and one. Right. Why, or, why, or why it would become that. I, I, see, I think it's going to have to be three rotating it in nine conference games. Yeah, yeah uh, I agree. Uh, and... and yeah, I mean, I, I agree with with Sankey. Is I, I want to see that rotation go a little bit more than it than it has, I, I, and that that's fun for everybody. That's neat for everybody. Um, it, yeah, you want to have your common opponents. Uh, you know, obviously Alabama fans don't want to lose Bama, and Bama fans don't want to lose Auburn. Uh, Texas coming in, you're, they probably don't want to lose that rivalry with Oklahoma, but they're also ready to renew that rivalry with Texas A and M. Vanderbilt and Tennessee, they want to still be able to play each other. Uh, you know, there's some of those rivalries that they want to keep going, and uh, and Greg Sankey knows that. They know what the fan base, uh, the main games the fan base is looking for. But uh, I think that's probably something uh, here in a few months when we're all up in Nashville for SEC Media Days, I, I have a feeling that's going to be their big announcement is they're going to release their final thing there at Media Days for everybody. We, we certainly hope suspicion, so. Anyway. Would be would be a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff to talk about. Out of time for hour number two, Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy to thank you the rest of the way up until tip of Auburn and Missouri. We'll be back in just a moment.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Just under an hour from tip-off in Neville Arena. This is Sports Call leading you up to Auburn basketball tonight. I'm Brooks Childress. Sitting in the driver's seat now for Mr. Ryan Lavoy, who's on his way to Neville Arena right now to cover the game for us tonight. Tom Peavy joins me in studio. Yeah, yeah. It is, we like to call bullpen days when, when it's me here for the full day. That's right. So going, I, I guess going this, to the lefty. I guess this is just a call to the bullpen now because the starter's out. They're, they're calling me in, and here we are. But we've got a great last hour for you today. We're going to continue to go over the uh, preview of this Auburn-Missouri game coming up here in just a little bit. We'll get in the hour with our nightly TV guide, and like I said, we're leading you up till tip. Auburn Sports Network coverage gets underway in just under half an hour over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Andy Bertram, Brad Law, Sonny Smith on the call tonight for the Tigers as they take on the Missouri Tigers. And Neville Arena must win night for the Tigers of Auburn when it comes to, it feels like it at least, when it comes to NCAA tournament hopes coming in the last part of the year and you know just, just heading down the stretch here. Because you got some tough games, you got some winnable games coming up. But this, this Auburn team really feels like they need this one tonight. We'll talk more about that coming up in just a little bit. If you want to get on the phone, call on the phone line, the Auburn Bank phone line. This last hour, give us a call, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 888-9-TIGER-9 to get on that Auburn Bank phone line. We'd love to hear from you. Right now, before we go any further, it's I think it's Tom's favorite uh, segment of the day. It's time for Daily Show Recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? We sure can. Tom, you've uh, you've been designated the, the new like, uh, yeah. Daily Show Recap guy. That's why I said I think it's your favorite. <sighs> Oh man, y'all y'all making sure the uh, the old man brain is still processing what's it's, going on after two hours. You got to keep here. the they keep the mental gymnastics going. Uh, there you, you know? go. You got to got to keep the keep the cognitive cognitive yeah, thoughts up. There you go. Uh, we have definitely talked a lot about Auburn basketball getting ready for this game, uh, a super super important game uh, tonight against Missouri. Uh, that's been the the basis of most of our discussion. Uh, is that. Uh, we did touch a little bit on the on the Alabama game that happened over the weekend, um, but I mean I think we and everybody else kind of moved on from that one just because this game is so vitally important. Uh, and so yeah, we've discussed a lot of that. We've had some great callers on, uh, Just Ferguson we had on, and uh, great conversation with him about this game and uh, just kind of the future of Auburn looking forward in the NCAA tournament things like that. Um, uh, that like I said, that Auburn basketball has been pretty much the the 
main discussion area there. Uh, we really haven't dug into a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about the Super Bowl. Yeah. And we've had a little bit of talk from some of the callers about the Super Bowl, but you know, we kind of handled all that for the most part yesterday. Uh, still a lot of different things coming up about the Super Bowl. Uh, particularly, I saw a story that dealing with the grass, and that was uh, on yesterday's show. That was uh, me and Ryan's both worst of the weekend was the playing surface there. And uh, I, I've, I continue to see stories pop up about that and how the, the NFL grew that grass specifically for the NFL back uh, a, a month or so ago and installed it. And I don't know. I, I, they got to figure out something for that stadium and that setup on, the yeah. big, on that big tray that moves in and out of the stadium because that surface has just been hot garbage ever since they put it in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much in the recap. Uh, and, and if you've missed any of the show over the last two hours, there's plenty of ways to go back and listen to us. That's right. Sports Call Podcast brought to you by friends over at Coca-Cola. You ever miss Sports Call Live or you just want to hear something again, make sure you find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, tune in on our Tiger Communications app, and, of course, the Tiger.fm, our company website. Before we go any further, I want to tell you or remind you guys – out there it is girl scout cookie season oh yeah they're out there in bulk selling they got uh favorite iconic favorites such as thin mints samoas tagalongs dosi dos adventurefuls and trefuls back they've also got some new flavors uh to the girl scouts lineup raspberry rally is a new flavor uh and then southern the the girl scouts of southern alabama which is our area have some new ones this year that are that have been out for a couple years but just now making it to this area lemon ups Girl Scout s'mores and gluten-free toffee-tastics are out there. So make sure you find Girl Scouts. Uh, they're out and selling at a lot of the uh, local supermarkets. They're out in front of there uh, selling them on the weekends. Sales end March the 5th. So make sure you get your Girl Scout cookies uh, soon and often because yep. support the Girl Scouts. It's a great organization. And uh, it also tastes good when you get those cookies. I know we had a couple, the, the Girl Scouts stopped by a couple weeks ago and they brought us a couple boxes and they were gone quickly. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever gotten any of them, Tom. They were uh, on our not, table. Yeah, no, not here. I, I haven't. Um, uh, we, uh, you know, support the Girl Scouts. Sure. And make sure that you go out and find them. Let's get back to sports now. Uh, you, you were talking about, at the end of that at last hour, talking about uh, it, the the SEC football scheduling coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, lot, we did talk about that. A lot of different, a uh, lot of different scenarios could go around. I know the big one is is the is three six right. It's the three three common opponents, yeah. six rotators. And, and and I know we you know we talked like I said we talked about it at the end of the hour. But in case anybody's just tuning in, what what are what are your thoughts on this this proposed uh, way of going about things? I, my, I mean, you know, my, my thought about it is, is I don't really have a full opinion to it yet just because it is still just pure speculation yeah. all over. And, and it, it's hard to really get a good feel um, one way or the other, positive or bad. And I liked your, your thought at the end of the, the, fir- the last hour where you said you expect probably we're going to get some sort of formal announcement at this year's media day. I, I would th- it seems like that would be the good yeah. time for them to kind of, you know, let's set that date, you know, the, the first day of SEC media days, let's set that date. And, and that's kind of the their um, let that be sort of their their deadline, I guess, yeah. if, if we're in the journalism standards there. That's our deadline. That's going to be the published date. 
is you mean, first, you, first day of SEC media days when Sankey gets up there and does his first big announcement. You get a chance to meet about it at spring meetings down in Destin. Exactly. Uh, so that that gives you enough time between now and right. – I say now but because within the past week it was formally announced that next year is when Texas and Oklahoma are joining. Right. So you get a good amount from now to that July date to get something sure. hammered out. And, and – uh, so, but I mean, I don't know that that's what's going to happen. That just seems like that would make sense. Uh, you know, that would be, you know, that would be the perfect time to do it. You get all the media from everywhere, all together. Yeah. And Sankey gets up there, and there's always something big that gets announced, and seems like a good time to do it, and gives you time to get all your ducks in a row, I guess. Um, but as far, yeah, as far as my opinion goes, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I, I'm having a hard time, uh, really being positive or negative one way or the other on it just because I don't know what they're going to do. I, I really just generally have no idea how they're going to work it out. Um, the only time that I would say I don't like it is once it comes out and you see what common opponents are and things like that, uh, or, or your every year opponents, I guess, is is the best way to say it, whoever your every year folks are going to be. Yeah. And how they divide that up. You really hope that how they do it makes sense because let's go ahead and admit it. I mean, some of the stuff that they were doing made no sense. I mean, Missouri being one of the furthest West teams, but yet they're in the East. Uh, that just seemed weird. Uh, but, um, yeah, I my the best answer is right now I don't have an opinion because I just don't think there's anything there to have the opinion on. Yeah. Everything is just pure speculation, and you see that speculation just all over everywhere. Um, obviously, I want Auburn and Alabama to to play each other every single year. That should happen. I really want Auburn and Georgia to be able to play every year. I don't know if that's going to be able to happen, yeah. but you know, those are your two main rivals, and those I I feel like the SEC is missing out big time if the South's oldest rivalry. And one of the most talked about best rivalries in all of sports, you got to try to figure out some way to have those, and and that goes across the board with others. You know, Texas is coming in here; they still want to have the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma. Mm. I think that should happen. They should be able to have that renewed rivalry with Texas A and M. Those two games right there should be able to happen every yeah. year. Tennessee and Vanderbilt should play every year. Georgia and Florida should play every year. Uh, LSU and Arkansas should play every year. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, they, the 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 made up rivalry between Texas A&M and LSU and Arkansas and Missouri. It, yeah, it's, it's bothered me since they started the conference. Yeah. Nah, yeah, it started in the conference. Um, so and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl. You you can't just not have the Egg Bowl. So. As as long as however they do this, yeah. however they get this shaken out, don't lose your big rivalry games. Don't lose don't lose the games that are the most talked about, not only in the SEC, but don't lose some of the rivalry games that are talked about nationwide. Yeah, yeah, I think you're doing a, a massive disservice to uh, the fan base of the SEC and doing a disservice to college football if you don't do everything in your possible way yeah to keep those games going outside of that when it comes to auburn i i don't care i and 
And I know we were talking about renewing old rivalries. Okay, that's cool, but mm, it, those don't those it's, don't have the same feel. Those are cool when they do come around. Yeah, when it's uh, been, when, uh, when Auburn and Florida plays each other, when Florida comes here or yeah. Auburn goes there, that's cool. That's cool, but and and but it's not. It's it, not the 1980s anymore. It's been it's, long enough where you've got you know the the older generation that remembers those rivalries every single year. It's like that'd be cool, sure. But you've got a big group of younger like generation, like my generation, right? Who is like, yeah, it's cool to go play at Florida, but you know, it's Florida. We'd rather watch you. We'd rather watch Auburn play LSU every sure. year, or you know, rather watch them play Texas A and M every year. Not right. necessarily, you know, but like those are the. We, you're you're starting to get those. Those are the games that you're like, oh, the, you know, this is what big, you know, big. The Floridas, the Tennessees. It was a it. It's a big rivalry, and it it should you know it it was, it was meant a lot. But it's been so much amount of time that the the rivalry has kind of worn off a little sure. bit. Now it's like, oh, we're gonna beat you, but you know, it's. But but even then, when they were playing each other, I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean they were they were rivalry games, quote unquote rivalry games. But I mean th- those still did not hold the weight, sure, of a of an Iron Bowl or a Georgia Auburn, the South Holders rivalry. Th- those just did not hold the same. And then I agree. So what we said about LSU, the Auburn LSU game just used to be another game. Now over the recent years, just because LSU got so good. That, that did become a thing. And yeah. I mean, you, that really kind of started the mid to late 80s, especially in the 88 with the earthquake game. It became one of the more iconic games in SEC history. But really before that, I mean, yeah, the two teams played each other all the time, but I mean, you never really heard about Auburn LSU. Yeah. It was not really a thing until... It wasn't the Tiger Bowl. Sure. A- until you got, you know, like I said, mid, late 80s, and then, then you just, from then on, you started having these iconic yeah. games. Yes, it would be cool to keep playing LSU every year, but again, I, that would not. I, I would not be as upset about losing them on a year every year basis as I would a Georgia or an Alabama. Like those two, you have to play every year. I, I don't care how you shake it out. You find some way that the Iron Bowl and the South Soldiers rivalry stays together. The, you, got, you have to do that, and if that means you don't get to play LSU every year, then yeah. you don't get to play LSU every year. The before we hit the break, there's uh, when we brought up LSU, they're a team that I I could see having problems in this with when it comes to uh, who to play. If it is this six three that we we've been hearing about that's rumored around, because you've got the games that you would like to see, and I'm just using LSU as an example because they're I, I've picked out four games right off the bat that someone would have to be eliminated if we just went to three common opponents every single year. Right, you've got the what I like to call the made-up rivalry between Texas A&M and LSU. Sure. You've got LSU-Arkansas. The boot. The boot. You've got LSU-Alabama. And you've got LSU-Auburn. Right. One of those, which arguably those are the four biggest games on LSU's schedule right now, one of those games would have to be eliminated from being every single year. Right. My vote would be the the LSU-Texas A&M game and keep the Auburn-Alabama and Arkansas games. But I I feel like the SEC would say no. We want to keep that LSU Texas A&M rivalry going and eliminate the Auburn game and keep it right. Alabama, and then that would mean Alabama's probably three uh, ones would be Tennessee, Auburn, LSU. Uh, the my only thing with that is you could revive if if you do a three, uh, if you do a three, then you could revive the old Southwest Conference rivalries. 
yeah. uh, out there with Arkansas and te- Texas, Arkansas, Texas, Arkansas, Texas, Texas A and M, Oklahoma. Yeah, because each of those that would be their three, and that that's old school Southwest Conference, Big Eight Conference, or whatever you know that you want to call from back before everybody started moving. I I honestly think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, to you know to renew that. But then, of course, that drops A and M and LSU away from each other. Yeah, you know, then you start trying to think geographically. Obviously, you know, you're looking at like maybe LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama. Ge- yeah. Just geographically, Geograph- yeah. geographically. But then you lose the LSU Arkansas rivalry. Yeah, the boot. So if you went geographically, so, who would be Auburn's other one? Alabama, Georgia. Would you go Vandy or would you go Florida or South Carolina? Well, see, I, South Carolina, I don't, to me, would or not be a geographic. They would, would be, to me, it would be Mississippi State. So if, you, if if I'm thinking just purely on a geographical yeah. standard, uh, for Auburn, uh, yeah, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State. I yeah. mean, Mississippi State's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Tuscaloosa. That's true. So, geographically, I would think that. Um, you know, uh, for all Although I wouldn't mind seeing Vanderbilt every year. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's one of those things. That, but I, I think that that's honestly going to end up being more like a uh, like a Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, yeah. Ole Miss yeah. type thing. Uh, and then I would think you would be looking at more like Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. Who am I missing? Vandy. Tennessee. No, Vandy, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe Auburn throwing there. Yeah, maybe. But that's assuming they they look at this on a geographic standard. That, yeah. I mean, they obviously did not look at it geographically when they expanded the SEC the first time or the the second time. The Either. first time, first time it kind of made sense. The second time, you brought teams from far out west. You're like, instead of readjusting everything, we're just going to stick Missouri in the east. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay. We'll that find makes out. perfect sense. We'll find out, hopefully sooner rather than later, what the scheduling is going to look like. You're rolling along on a Tuesday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, we'll talk a little SEC baseball right after this. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. want to tell you about the second annual Backyard Boilers Crawfish Boil and Music Festival coming up here in just a couple months, presented by the Real Town Lions Club on Saturday, April the 1st. I had it on this, uh, this sheet of paper. Yeah, Saturday, April 1st, start time 2 p.m. In Notasolga at the Real Town Rodeo Grounds, $25 entry fee, $10 for children 12 and under. Coolers and chairs are welcome. Food will be sold separately. There's going to be live music, and all the proceeds, or some of the proceeds, uh, will go to visit or go to help the Real Town Fire Department over there. Vendors are welcome. For more info, contact Jimmy Browning at 334 415 9611 or Mike Ransom at 256 
794-3999. Second annual Backyard Boilers Crawfish Boil and Music Festival, Saturday, April the 1st, over in Notasolga. Welcome back to Sports Call. I'm Brooks Childress. Tom Peavy joining me on the show. Ryan LaVoy stepped out of the studio to head to the basketball game and coverage of that basketball game between Auburn and Missouri getting underway in just about four minutes over on our sister station FM Talk 93.9 with the Auburn Sports Networks. Countdown to tip off. If you, uh, we don't blame you if you flip over there when that happens to listen to yeah. those guys. But you know, we. But you can stick with us. Well, you can you stick want. with us. We're gonna be, we're gonna give our final preview of the game in just a few minutes. But first, before we go anywhere back to basketball, we were on football. I want to deviate to college baseball. Opening weekend for Auburn baseballs this weekend. Host Indiana for the first three games at Plainsman Park, and then they will head on the road for a neutral site game up in Madison, Alabama, at the Trash Panda Stadium against. North Alabama, and then they'll make a West Coast swing out to Los Angeles to take on the USC Trojans. So a big first couple of series for the Tigers coming up here. They'll get, like as they get started this Friday at 4 p.m. with Indiana. Earlier today, the SEC Baseball uh, Rules Committee announced some changes to rules for this year's season. There's going to be uh, a lot of clocks involved this year. Between batter's clock, a mound visit clock, and a pitching change clock. The changes coming up, uh, the batter between the batter's clock, and this I want to get Tom's uh, opinions on, on these uh, changes. On the bat, between batter's clock, a 30-second timer between hitters shall start at the conclusion of the prior play as indicated by the umpire's final signal of safe or out or other clear indication that the prior play has concluded. Consistent with the NCAA pitch clock protocols, the batter shall be alerted to the Pitch or shall be alert to the pitcher with 10 seconds or more remaining at the and the pitcher shall begin the motion to deliver the first pitch to the batter or to the at bat prior to the expiration of the 30 second clock. So 30 seconds in between at bats well, or in between the end of a end of a play and the next pitch. Yeah, I, I that's one that I don't mind. Uh, did they not have pitch clock last year? I think in certain situations they did, All right. but I don't think it was every single one. No, I, That I don't mind because you need to find ways to speed the game up because that's one thing they talk about with baseball is it, it can get very monotonous and boring. Yeah. Um, that keeps the play going. There, There's no need for a batter to step in the box or, or have one foot in the box, one foot out of the box, and, and take – nearly a minute to adjust his bat and gloves and you know get some dirt on his fingers and yeah. practice swing and spit and scratch and tug and you know all the little motions and everything and then a minute later you throw a pitch and then you got to go all the way back through it again yeah no 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 yeah i i don't mind that the other one is say, say, get the game going step in the box let's go uh, next one was the mound visit clock. A 30-second timer on a mound visit shall begin when a coach exits the dugout or when a defensive player leaves their position to visit the pitcher's mound unless the coach signals for a pitching change. The coach must leave the mound when or before the timer expires. The mound visit clock shall not operate when a doctor or trainer accompanies a coach to evaluate a medical issue. Upon expiration of the 30-second clock, the 20-second NCAA pitch clock shall commence. I'm okay with that one, too. So Again, again. Let, let's get the game. Let's, let's go. You go out there. The and, and that's one of those notorious moves. Um, now the only the only time that I think this comes into play, uh, well, I guess it's different because you have to bring the doctor out with you. Yeah. Because there's times where 
uh, you know, you'll go out there and you'll stall for time so that you can give that guy in the bullpen a little bit extra time. So I guess in, even if he's not injured, take the doctor out there with you. Do, do you like the <laughs> do, do you like the fact that they are uh, starting the clock when he leaves the dugout, and it's thirty se- You got you know it's thirty seconds. Oh, yeah. Get out to the mound and then get back. I don't know if I. I yeah, I think, see, that's a little bit of that's a little bit short of time. By the time that, you get out there, that encourages jogging. You might have somebody my size trying to come out of the dugout and get out there to the pitcher's mound. It's going to yeah. take me a little bit, unless I'm running. That would be my um, that would be my only issue. I think it should be yeah. See, I, I like thirty uh, seconds. I, I guess I didn't think about the entirety of what you said there. Yeah, I think it should be thirty seconds. Once he gets there and starts talking, then yeah. thirty seconds, and then and then you're done and you're gone. Yeah, obviously they're trying to prevent the guys from going out there and stalling. Yeah, and just talking forever until the umpire finally has to come out there and go. All right, guys, let's go. This also uh, you know, with the thirty second clock. This also kind of pre- uh, keeps the umpire behind the plate too, because it's like, hey, you got thirty seconds. I'm not going to walk out there and tell you let's let's go. He can you, start the clock. Yeah, it's the clock, and then you get the pitch clock. Yeah, has, as soon as that thirty seconds is up, the twenty second pitch clock starts. Yeah, true. Uh, and then the other one is the pitching change clock. A two-minute and 30-second timer on a pitching change shall begin when a new pitcher who is entering the game, either at the start of an inning or as part of a mid-inning pitching change, crosses the warning track or otherwise leaves the bullpen area if the bullpen is on the playing field. Upon expiration of the clock, the NCAA 20-second pitch clock shall commence. So you got two minutes, two and a half minutes from when you step onto that grass. From Like right. if you're at Plainson Park, you know the, the sure. bullpen is below the monster. As soon as you cross that warning track, you got two and a half minutes before the pitch clock starts. Right. Uh, that one's also like it was let weird. him get to the mound. Yeah, let him get to the mound first. Yeah. But the the other things that you look at is you've been in the bullpen warming up. True. Now you got to come out there and warm up some more. I, granted, I get different sight lines, a different catcher, um, and for somebody that has pitched, I mean, sight lines are very big with what you're looking at with your backdrop. So you yeah. do got to kind of get your eyes and your brain focused on what you're looking at because you've just been in the bullpen throwing against a very close backstop with a particular catcher. Yeah. And now you're in a bigger, wider backstop with a catcher, a different catcher. takes a little bit to get the eyes and the brain kind of focused back in on what you're doing. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those I wish they would just go start it at, at the mound. I, I understand the reason for these is trying to speed the game up. Yes. They've looked at things that have just bogged games down. So, you know, uh, a, a guy coming out of a bullpen that just takes his dear sweet time to get out there to the mound, and it's like, no, come on, man, let's go. Get out here, let's get going. We, we, don't, got, we don't got time for you to take a leisurely stroll through the outfield to get up here to the mound. Yeah. It's like, I don't need, you don't need to be running a full sprint. Like, uh, uh, who is it? There, there was a major leaguer that would, like, full sprint. I know who you're bullpen. talking about, but I don't remember his name. I can't either. It, there's been a couple of them. I guess I think the dude that I'm thinking of was actually the position player that would pitch quite several yeah. times, and and they would almost do it like a bull ring. Like he <laughs> would he would sit there at the door, like like kicking his foot like a bull, just ready to go. And they would open the door, and he'd just come barreling out through that door, just full sprint to the mound. Um, yeah, they're not looking for that, but they're trying to stop the dudes that just take a nice leisurely, yeah, you know, time to get out there to the mound. I still think, you know start the clock when they get on the mound i mean most of those guys get on out there i uh, if there's one that doesn't i mean that's kind of think that's one of those things you go and say listen hey coach can we're trying to speed the game up here can you, up. can you say something to your dude and like 
get get your belt on out here and let's do this. So I I get it. Um, I see the I see kind of the pros and cons of both of that one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the let me clarify. Uh, these changes are going to be this. So you won't see these changes this weekend at Plainsman Park. These changes right. will be conference games and the SEC tournament is when you'll see these come into effect. Two other rules to go over with. The SEC will also implement a 10-run rule for conference games. Policy stipulates that a contest shall be stopped after seven innings if one team is ahead by at least 10 runs in accordance with NCAA playing rules. The 10-run rule shall uh, also be utilized for all non-conference competition with the consent of the coach of the non-conference opponent. The coach of the non-conference opponent does not consent. The game shall be played in its entirety consistent with NCAA playing rules. So conference will have a 10-run rule. So if Arkansas is out here shellacking Missouri by 12 runs by the seventh inning, it's done. You're calling it. And then in conference play, you or in non-conference play, you can have it as long as both teams agree to. No. Uh, you know, as, as long as you know, you walk across there and say, "Hey, if we just we're kicking your butt, do you want to stop it?" And then the the other team's got to got to say yes, which is a rule that we've seen in softball. Yeah. We've seen the, the ten run rule in softball. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they have that at all levels of softball. Yeah. Um, like, even up into higher levels. Um, mm, man. You're not a big fan of that one? I, yes and no. Um, no, because I am still a baseball purist that thinks that, no, you, you, you play it out. Uh-huh. If you want to play seven innings, play seven innings. If you want to play nine innings, you're going to play nine innings. And that's just – that's what it is. Uh, I, But then when those games get out of hand, when you're up 20-something to nothing, and you're like, we got to sit through three more innings of this? Yeah. It's like, can't we just go home now? So then that gives that ability to do that. And then the final rule – And it all – it will. I'm sorry, it will no, also – it also brings in an, an an excitement factor of the seventh inning. Oh yeah, because you you're either battling to stay in the game, battling to stay in, or if, battling if to right walk there it at off. That ten runs, you're like, well, maybe you know, if we right. get a good rally going here, because it what was it was um, Boston College was here at Auburn a couple years ago, and Auburn was up big, right? And they had a big late inning rally and came back and won that game in extras, right? I don't I don't think it was ten runs. Uh, but it was, you know, Auburn had a big lead in that game, and then Boston College was able to come back. I think it was even the ninth inning that they came back and uh, that tied that game and then won it in extras. Uh, and then the final one is the SEC has also revised the inclement weather policy related to the final game of a conference series on Sunday when the visiting team does not have classes on the following day, which would be Monday. Policy specifies if the visiting team's institution does not have classes the following day Monday, general curfew policy shall be waived. If the curfew is waived, no game may start after 10 p.m. local time or resume after mid- midnight local time. Oh. We saw the uh, was it, it was the final game of that Auburn Alabama series last year that got rained out and they they didn't play it. I believe that that's what it was right. last year. And Alabama went back to Tuscaloosa. I don't know if they had classes the next day or not. I you know I don't know what the situation was there. But if there is no classes then uh, the day on Monday. Right. You can play a game as long as it starts by 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like I like that. Um, you know, they just had a they had a situation uh, in one of the softball games last weekend. They, they call it the drop dead rule. Yeah. Where uh, if by a certain time you don't have the game finished, then it reverts back to the score 
of the inning that started, and the game's over. So, in this situation, I think it was Kentucky against Texas. Mm -hmm. And it was tied up going into whatever inning, fifth inning maybe, and Kentucky scored two, I believe, to go up seven to five. Texas's coach realized that the game was getting really close to time limit. So he made a, 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 a mound visit, uh, made a pitching change, went back to the dugout, came back out, made another pitching change, and basically just kept delaying things, delaying the game until the time ran out. And then it hit that it hit the dead drop uh, the drop dead rule, game was over. Even though it ended at seven and five in favor of Kentucky, because of that rule, the game ends in a four to four tie or a uh, five to five tie. Because I think I yeah. think it went up seven to five. So yeah, so it reverts back to a five to five tie instead of a Kentucky victory. And he delayed the time so that that could happen. Um, anything that you can do. To avoid that happening, yeah. So in that one, in the, in that new rule, okay, if that game ends at this time, then you still have the ability to play the next day. But I guess that's if you don't have classes. Is that yeah. what it's saying? Yeah, if you do not have classes well, the next day, which really that would just basically that's just a very that's very few. That's yeah. like holiday tournaments and types of or spring break or spring break most of the time you're going to have class on monday so or those late game late season yeah. games but but the other thing is you know all these speeding up mound visits yeah. and things like that will take away the the ability to to do that baseball rules in effect i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about those i'm sure i'm sure it's going to come into play at some point this year where someone's going to get mad at them and we're going to have to talk about it a little bit more uh, but there's your overview conference play Coming up soon, baseball season starts Saturday or Friday, Auburn and Indiana and Plainsman Park. When we come back, final preview of Missouri and Auburn basketball, and when you get your nightly TV guide, we'll be right back on Sports Call on a Tuesday. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call on a Tuesday, getting ready to wrap up here. I'm Brooks Childress, joined by Tom Peavy. I want to thank Ryan LaVoy for getting the show started in the first two hours of the show. He's currently in Neville Arena getting ready for Auburn and Missouri to tip off here in just about 18 minutes away from tip. You can't be inside Neville Arena. The game is on ESPN2 tonight, national broadcast. And you can hear it over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. You can also stream that on the Tiger Communications app. As well, it's our website, thetiger.fm. You can find those streams there. There's a lot of different ways to get Auburn basketball into your somehow consume it nope. without, if you cannot be inside Neville Arena tonight. Speaking of Auburn basketball, just a couple minutes left here before we have to get out of here for the afternoon and leave you to watch Auburn basketball and take that in. So, Tom, what is your final thoughts, predictions for what happens inside Neville Arena tonight? Uh, I, I think Auburn bounces back. Um, 
I, I do think that we, we've been talking a lot about the crowd. I, I do fear that it's going to be a little bit tamer uh, than it was for Alabama, but I think that's kind of to be expected. But it's still Neville Arena. The, 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 the jungle is still going to be there. I think that's going to be more packed than the upper levels. Um, but uh, I, think Auburn gets a, I think Auburn gets the win. Uh, I expect Janai Broom to bounce back, and uh, that's one of the things that we've talked about on the show. He has to have a good game. Uh, both defensively and offensively. Uh, Alabama did a really good job of taking him out uh, last time. He held him to single digits in both scoring and reboundings, and he is a guy that uh, can drop a double-double on you very, very quickly. Yep. And they held him to single digits in both. Um, and so he needs to have a big game to offset what is just a, a very bad shooting team from the guards. Uh, I would love to see the guards step up and hit, hit some shots. Uh, but I, I think everything is going to have to go through Janai Broom. That's just kind of what this team does. Uh, that's what they do better than uh, shooting, and so uh, or shooting distance anyway. So I think they do that. Uh, I, I think they bounce back. I think they get a win here. I think it is a close game. Um, I think it's a close game up through about the last minute or so. I think Auburn will pull away and maybe even get close to double digits, but uh, – you know, I'm thinking eight, nine-point victory. Line is currently seven points right now, so the move just a bit from earlier in the show. I think it was six and a half earlier in the show. Right. It moved a bit more to seven in favor of the Auburn Tigers. I, I really think that uh, I really want Katie Johnson to have a big game tonight. I, I, talked, I, I sure. asked uh, Justin Ferguson about it earlier in his interview with us. And, and I really want KD Johnson to have a big game. He had a big game last year against Missouri. That was in Missouri at 17 points for them. I think I really want to see him break out here. And, we, you know, if, if you're Auburn, you need Wendell firing on all cylinders. You need Janai Broom firing on all cylinders. Jalen. Jalen firing on all cylinders. And then you need KD Johnson firing on all cylinders going down the stretch here. Sure. Uh, and, and I think I really want to see KD start that tonight. And I, I do think Auburn wins this basketball game. I don't know if it's seven points because Missouri's a good team. Um, I would probably say five, a five-point win, four right. to five-point win, but I, I do think Auburn gets the win at home. Let's see, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's around that five to six point when you're getting down kind of crunch time, but I yeah. think, you know, you get into the foul situation, I think Auburn hits some foul shots and you kind of push it more towards the double digits. Um, yeah, Auburn's going to have to have somebody step up. Obviously, you got to have Janai Broom. has got to have a big game, but you have to have somebody else also step up. It can't just be Janai and that's it because yeah. that's a recipe for a loss again. So, yeah, uh, Wendell needs to hit some shots. Um, this team does not need to be shooting 24 threes again. Uh, we, yes. That's one thing that we always talk about. They need to limit the threes that they're just jacking up there like they love to do sometimes. They, it's like they get out of their heads and just start firing up threes. It's like, no, work the offense to Janai. If you have to take the threes, then that's fine, but take them sporadically. We don't need to look at a box score where they're well over 20 yeah. three-pointers because typically the way that goes is they're like 5 for 24, 5 for 26 or something. Yes. And those end up being just wasted possessions. So try to try to get into the basket as much as you can. Try to get to the line as much as you can and limit how much you're trying to shoot from outside. Before we get out of here today, it's time to wrap up the show as we do every single day with the Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by TK's Convenience Store on your way home tonight. Grab a uh, variety pack 
take it home with you. Watch the game with some White Claw. TV tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN. Some college basketball action for you. Notre Dame visits Duke. Also 6 o'clock ESPN 2. Missouri visits Auburn. ESPNU, Illinois visits Penn State. And 6 o'clock on FS1. Creighton visits Providence. A big game in the Big East. 8 o'clock on ESPN. Kansas will visit Oklahoma State. On ESPN 2, Michigan visits Wisconsin. On ESPNU, Kansas State visits Oklahoma. And on FS1, St. John's and DePaul take on, uh, face each other at the Trust Arena. And then two NBA games for you tonight at 6.30 on TNT. The Celtics visit the Bucks and follow that up at 9 o'clock tonight with the Warriors and the Clippers. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide. A lot of basketball tonight, and it's brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom, thank you so much for being here on this beautiful Tuesday. Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. War Eagle. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get a big win tonight. Hope that we did not dampen your Valentine's Day at all. Hope everybody has great a great night with whatever plans you have. If it's basketball, if it's a nice dinner, whatever it is. Happy Valentine's Day from us here at Sports Call. And want to thank everybody that listened, tuned in, called in. Tom Peavy, myself, Brooks Childress, Ryan Lavoy, who got it started for two hours. He's the host, and he'll be back tomorrow for a brand new edition of Sports Call at 3 p.m. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you then.